This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. My Natural Hair is a live experience where you can come out and witness the show, meet the host, and have your questions answered. Every Sunday at 2 p.m. at Detroit SIP, located between University of Detroit Mercy and Mary Grove College at 7420 West McNichols, Detroit, Michigan. Join My Natural Hair every Sunday at 2 p.m. to experience the culture and the movement. Black Coffee is a podcast hosted by Kari Frazier and Frida Sampson Weekly. Weekly, Frida and Kari welcome guests to discuss the rich history of Black leadership, entrepreneurship, artistry, and social justice. The Detroit is Different podcast is about exposing artistry, business, ideas, and dynamic people, places, and things that make Detroit a mecca. Tune in weekly and subscribe to get the true stories from the people shaping the culture of an American classic city. You're listening to the Piper Carter Podcast on the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. Her soul. Mercy, law, legal, royalty, bars in every sentence. Get off my pretty wings, I have perpetual indifference. My mind's too advanced, I do mathematics with letters. That's why my iron big pentameter is way better. Still a side of Shakur and Hawk Couture. What other rappers' metaphors to the semaphores? Vocabs too advanced to be autocorrected. Alpha rapper of the alphabet's been resurrected. And scrabble boards on face. Running on these tracks like Florence Griffin on the chase. One limb mixed bows like Florence Griffin in the race. It takes less than two when I'm robbing on this base. Huh. See, I'm easy rocking. Be easy with this E like I'm straight out of Compton. One project away like I'm straight out of Tonkins. Legal eagles fly or die. These other birds are just mocking. Brain pin pad, both before lips. These other female rappers out here talking with their hips. These misguided gangsters out here talking with their clips. While these devils copyright, grab the cash and then they zip. They try to stack us up and slay boats that don't float. Penitentiary surrounded by a moat. It's mental. You can tie a lion with a rope and you'll stay right there if you murder all this hope. But I got the antidote that was freeing these slaves and make runaway masters back in the days. And that turn away every day. That's the doctrine. I'll show them off my legs when I'm dressed down in stockings. Now convince me your life matters when their violence starts to move in the counterclockwise pattern. They hypnotize with a lot, control their minds, confuse their hearts, their power will die. Gentrify their art, gentrify their block and their thoughts. Then protest beside them, this is all such a farce. Next we'll turn them into Mother Nature's bastards. That way they won't survive when we start coming out blasting. Have them boost their melanin, tell them mass in fashion. Take the edge and their edges, have them sow those tracks in. If they sow what they will reap, it'd be hard to wake them up once they put them to sleep. Y'all like rappers that keep you stupid Who aren't brave enough to lose their life over music Scared to teach you righteous cause they scared to be poor Maybe these cowards die off Long live Elsie Law Elsie Law Elsie Law Elsie Law Elsie Law You are listening once again to the Piper Carter Podcast with Piper Carter And our co-host, the one and only I'm gonna call you the super millennial <laughs> Brittany March How are you Brittany? I'm doing good Piper so uh, we'll, you, this is my second day seeing you in a row. Second day, I know. And uh, I want to bring our guest into the room real quick so we could just uh, get to it. Um, so we have DJ Los in the building. <sighs> DJ Los, <laughs> what up, dude? Yeah, those are our human sound effects. 
So, yeah, so DJ Los is, so we've mentioned Los maybe, I want almost once per podcast, possibly. Wow. Um, Love you guys. Just because Los is such a huge part of um, Detroit hip hop, such a huge part of my life, such a huge part of the culture and history and everything. And um, his dad, Butch Small, shouts out to the king of... Uh, the congas and the percussion <laughs> um, is amazing. He did the Detroit is Different podcast interview with Kari. I won't give that away, but look for that. Um, and we're going to bring both of you on next year to like kick next year off, but I wanted to bring you on um, now because I just wanted to establish some history. We had DJ Head here, who is also a huge part of Detroit history with the hip-hop shop and all that. But um, I just got to let folks know, your history, at least for me, in hip-hop predates the hip-hop shop. Um, me and you, it's interesting. Me and you are the same age, mm-hmm. but as a kid, I grew up listening to you and was a fan wow. of yours. And so when I moved to Detroit as, as a kid, well, back to Detroit as a kid from New York City in 1986... That's when you, I don't want to say emerge, but you were doing stuff way before then. But for me, that's when I found out about you because you were, you know, that's when your career began and y'all were like huge in these streets. And uh, that's when I became a a huge fan. So this is like super awesome. I'm flattered. To be like a fan, right? Of someone that you were a fan of as a kid that you didn't even know was the same age as you. And then later to become friends and family and mm. all that kind of stuff. So I just had to get that quick story out the way. And then um, I'll let you tell like your own, you know, your own story because you're here. So I don't want to tell your story for you. But I will say from a personal perspective, you've been very um, informative to, to, to meet myself and others about the history. You have um, brought various resources and people to the table to... Um, empower the hip-hop community and build it up and make it better and make other people better. You know, um, my experience with you, you are very giving, you share, you um, console and consult. You're like a person who is able to like heal a lot of beefs and wounds. You uplift people and um, you bring a lot of women in hip-hop up. You know what I mean? Like you support a lot of women in hip-hop. You know what I mean? Um, in this space. So um, I just kind of wanted to put that out there. And then I wanted to throw it to you. And uh, oh, and I also have to let y'all know that uh, all the dudes from the West Coast like look up to uh, DJ Los, DJ Los and DJ Head. But when Head was here, you know, and we talked about, you know, like the West Coast and Dr. Dre and like, you know, the Snoop Dogg and that whole sort of vein. Like, just think like before, because that were that. Strain didn't start till like ninety two, around ninety two. So remember, so Los has been out here that long. So he has stories from the eighties. Yeah, being a kid where the folks in L.A. are looking at his billboard. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's his billboard is up in L.A. That's and then crazy. and all the people that we looked to in the nineties, right, was looking at him in the eighties. As like that, the way we looked, the way we look at the Dr. Dre's and all that now, that's how they was looking at him back then. So I just had to bring that into the room so that y'all know, like, what's about to go down right now. Yeah. 
I mean, and before you get started, you know, I'm in the generation where in order for us to really, really be in tune with hip hop, like we have to really, really go and educate ourselves. And the information is there. So I saw that one of your first major projects for the city was in 85. She's mentioned 85, 86. So she was on you early. So she knows what she's talking about, listeners. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and the other thing I wanted to say before you get started is is uh, just to piggyback off what she's saying about that that West Coast sound. I mean, even to this day, when you take a look at Detroit hip hop and one segment of the Detroit hip hop, the T Grizzlies, the Sada Babies, their sound transcends into the YGs, the the uh, E40s, you know. And I'm not trying to, you know, E40 is a is a is a is a godfather out there, but even him. His sound transcends. It sounds like it branches from Detroit. So you know that's that's deep. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. the Oakland way. O- yeah. Oakland is a lot like uh, Detroit. Yeah. So give us. So take us all the way back in time to the wee little drum player or DJ that you were. No, what was your first instrument? Was it a, like a shaker ray or something? No. Um, <laughs> I really don't play instruments fluently. Okay, okay. But uh, drum machines and keyboards, I I, that's, I played with those first. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was um, lucky enough to have, you know, shout out to my, my dad, Carl Butch Small. Yes. That's, that's my hero, first and foremost. Oh. You know, so my dad, I grew up in the studio uh, with... Um, you know, and going to the studio with my dad, per, uh, performing percussion parts for Parliament Funkadelic and the Dramatics and so many other people. Who can we came just up. pause right there? Just mm-hmm. Can you guys hear what he just said? Repeat that. I'm going to do like they do, you know, when, when you DJ in the Caribbean, it's like, <laughs> 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 rewind. Wait, can you give us that again? For sure. Okay, so. I used to travel to the studio with my dad, with Carl Butch Small, as he laid percussion parts for like Parliament Funkadelic, wow. Boosie Collins, um, the Dramatics, um, so many people that I, I, it's, you know, when people ask me questions like this, sometimes mm-hmm. I, it's hard for me to remember everything, but but I remember being in the studio with Parliament Funkadelic wow. and, 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 and uh, the Dramatics on a regular basis. What age were you? I was like... I want to say seven. Wow. Yes. Yeah, I was seven, seven, eight years old, and up until probably around when I was like 10 or something like that. Did you really realize what was going on as far as the legacy and the greatness that was being created? No. I mean, I knew, I kind of knew how that they were big because I used to go to the concerts with my dad too. So I used to be like seven, eight years old with a backstage pass stuck on my, oh, on wow. my coat. And, you know, they, they let me walk around in the audience by myself. With this pass on, so all of the all of the girls would <laughs> would be like, "Ooh, this cute little boy! Oh, right. he's got a pass! Hi, hi! Can That's I be funny. your girlfriend?" You know, so I remember all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, yeah, I knew that they were important, but I didn't know how important. Understood. You know, yeah. Wait, what songs were you in the studio? Be, like while they were being made at like, seven? Like a lot of uh, One Nation. What? Uh. I think I was there when they did Flashlight. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But One Nation and um, uh, Knee Deep and all of that stuff, my dad played on a lot of those parts. I remember when he was playing the, uh, the parts for those songs. So, yeah, so like, those instruments. I was going to ask you, yeah. Yeah, like, so just to give some you know, imagery on, on that part of your life, like, so you're watching your pops through your, through your young eyes, and mm-hmm. like, what do you remember about his sessions? Did he, as the drummer, lay down the foundation for the sound? Did they say to him, "This is what this is what we're looking for," and he let, like, where, where, how did you see him work? What I could remember is 
it was like a big party there all the time. It was a bunch of people there wow. all the time. And everybody got their turn to just add their pieces mm. to whatever was already the foundation that was laid. So like Uncle Bootsy might, you know, you know him to play bass guitar, but he he played drums too. Okay. So a lot of people don't know that he's playing the drums on Flashlight. Mm. Like that's Bootsy Collins playing the drums. They, they, like they might not have a drummer. They would have somebody who was there who whose their main instrument was uh, like bass guitar or something mm-hmm. and he would play them. Mm-hmm. So after the foundation was laid, um my dad would go in and uh United Sounds, I remember a lot of uh sessions being at United Sound Studios. Yeah, we and, brought that one up. Um I think maybe Head was here yeah. and we talked about it. Yeah. That tell okay, t- finish telling us the story, okay. then we'll talk about United Sounds. Okay. So what I remember a lot of is me going in the room with my dad to play the while he played the parts, and he just told me I would have to have to be quiet because it was live <laughs> microphone. So I would mm. sit still for hours mm. and watch my dad play his, play his parts mm-hmm. in so, awe, probably right? Huh? In awe? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I just knew my dad was working, and uh, I knew the brides of Funkenstein and Uncle George. And, you wow. know what I'm saying? I, I've spent the night over George Clinton's house. Wow. Uh, Boosie's house, Uncle Boosie's house. We used to go out there to Cincinnati for uh, New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the first time they let me shoot a gun. All kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> it, it, I, I got I got so many memories, man. Yeah. You know what's interesting too, because um, I grew up between New York and Detroit, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna say the first time I moved to Detroit <laughs> or back to Detroit as a kid, as a little kid, mm-hmm. my mom. Uh, had moved back to Detroit. We had lived in New York, and she moved back here, I think, um, what year is One Nation? Is that 77, 78? Around there, right? Somewhere, Somewhere around there. Because I, yeah, yeah, uh, yep. I remember when we, we moved here, I was the same age as mm-hmm, you, and mm-hmm. we moved here, I think I was like seven. And uh, my uncle, well, my family's very into music, as you could tell. Uh-huh. And I used to be the the family DJ, if you will, with the like wooden record player playing all the records. Dope. I used to be into all the music. Dope. <laughs> so my uncle would like bring me records, right? And I just remember my uncle and my cousin ran in the house because I had just moved there from New York City. I really didn't know so much people. And that music was what really like centered our family. Right. So we would have family parties in the living room and all our cousins and everything would come over. So I didn't know the kids on the block so I couldn't really go out and play and things like that I could but you know it's just interesting dynamics but mm-hmm. but they would play all this music and he brought that record that One Nation Under Groove and I'll never forget him being like okay Piper I want you to hear something this is gonna revolutionize music <laughs> no I'm serious That's dope. I'm so serious he's like this is gonna revolutionize music he's like when I play this record I need you to focus. I need you to listen to every single instrument and every single thing. And so he, it, the one he brought was a 45. So it didn't have like album artwork, mm-hmm. right? Because 45s were like in like a sleeve. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he, you know, he put on a 45 and it was like, I'll never forget. Cause remember it used to put it up and then it had to go down mm-hmm. onto the surface mm-hmm. and then the, Needle would like come over, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as it went, down, 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 so wide, can't get around it. So low, you can't get under it. And I was like, "What is this?" It was like all. It was like 
voices, like they were making voices. They were like, you know, calling spirits. Like you yep. had all this percussion. Yep. It was all these, it was these layers of sound. And it was just like something I had never heard. Cause that was, that was a time when it was about disco and like what I'm gonna call like more like soul. You know what I'm saying? It was like what, disco what, and soul music. What it was yeah. was a was a disc. Now that you mentioned that, mm-hmm. my dad told me the story why why the song was so fast. Yeah, it was a disc to disco music oh, okay. because okay. Dis, disco was like leading the pack. Right. And so George and and the rest of the clan, they were like, you know what? We don't like disco. Right. We we gonna put this funk in their face. We right. gonna make a fast song so they could dance to it. Yep. Mm. And that's what it was. And it was so funny because like. We made a Soul Train line, my whole family, because that's what you did back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at Brittany. She's, and my whole family went down the Soul Train line and doing what? The the bump and the, you know, the football and uh, football. The, the rock. And uh, what were these other dances? Um, yeah, like, you know, it was it was all these like 70s dances, right? I'm talking about, I'm talking about 70s dances that you did the funk music. And my whole family would like go down and they played that record over and over and over and over. I don't know, like, mm-hmm. so my whole family went down the Soul Train line. And to this day, my favorite, 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 you know, funkadelic, like, you know, song is this, you know One what I'm Nation. saying? Mm-hmm. One Nation. Mm-hmm. Because that, that was my, the message, first of all, the lyrics, but like the infectious, you know, rhythms. But like I said, the layering and just honoring that, the the genius of that record, you know what I'm saying? And people love other records, and I love the other records, but that one record in particular, the message is so unifying, it's so beautiful, it's so amazing, and it was like my sort of like intro back into Detroit. Mm-hmm. And like everywhere I went ever since then, I heard this like funky, funky, funky sound that sounded like it was trying to sound like that funk, mm-hmm. but couldn't actually they couldn't emulate get it. there. Right. And those songs are funky now. I'm but, about funky but, but, not, but not as. But it could never go there. <laughs> so everything else. So that one for me is like that raw, gritty, real, actual, like what funk was meant to be, the mothership, like that whole thing. And like everything else is like really good. But just not. It was almost like a commercial version of that. So when I met, when I met you, and then I knew your history, and then you told me about your dad, and I met your dad. I think I almost passed out because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "That was you playing all those percussions that I loved." Yep. And he was like, "Yeah." It's so many frequencies on that song, <laughs> man. It, see, like I look at it like it's a spiritual ritual. It is. I felt the same way. Yeah, yeah, because Uncle George, wow. he was his his lyrics, man. He talked mm. about you know a lot of interstellar stuff and yeah, yeah. So it, it's definitely like a spiritual. Um, it's a spiritual experience. Yeah, yeah. And also too, I will give this because my cousins were in Pony Down. If y'all don't know what Pony Down is, that is a, a community organization. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, they they call them gangs, but we call them um, we call them community leaders. 
uh, people that have stepped up to lead the community and security and things like that. Um, that's good. So, that's, that's, uh, that's cool. It's positive, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we had we had one in our hood. It was called Pony Downs. My cousins were in them. And I remember back in the days when they came with that, they taught me how to do the Earl Flynn because they were like, Piper, <laughs> you're, you know, gang stuff, family, you know, whatever. They were like, Piper, you have to learn how to do this dance because like, quote unquote, like you're one of us. And <laughs> at your, that time. Your initiation. Right. You know how you do the kids. <laughs> so it's like, okay, there was such a ritual around learning this dance as a child. They took this dance very seriously. Later, I learned that if you were to compare it to like tribal culture, it was a war dance, you know, Mm. because back in the 70s, you couldn't do the Earl Flynn unless you were in that, in the Pony Downs, right? And so random people just didn't do Earl Flynn or else they'll get completely messed up. They'll get beat up or something, you get hurt. Yeah, you you were not allowed to do uh, Earl Flynn. And so culturally... It's like crip walking. Okay. It's like crip walking. Same, same concept. The same thing, okay, just don't do it. So, But culturally, <laughs> it was like a thing where if you could do it, it was like a spiritual... <laughs> it was like a spiritual experience of like... what only thing I can imagine, because we're on a podcast, I'll try to explain it to you, because we have listeners from all over the world. Mm-hmm. If you raise your hands up, you know, like to 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 the the higher power, the universe, or the gods, and then you draw that energy like into yourself. You know what I mean? And you just keep going up and down, up and down to keep drawing that inner that energy towards you. But what would happen is if you went to house party or something, that was, <laughs> it was basically like like a signal, mm-hmm. right? Like let's get ready to rumble type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, that makes so much sense. Huh? Yeah, but like later it. Like now, you could do it. Everybody does. Earl yeah, yeah, it's, it's a Detroit common. thing. It's common, yeah. Yeah. So I guess, um, but just for me, like that One Nation Under Groove, that Parliament Funkadelic, like that Earl Flynn, you know, and 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 that whole East Side, whatever. Like that whole thing for me personally is where I hold hip Detroit hip hop, like like the spirit of where that birthed Detroit hip hop. Mm-hmm. So for like your dad to be on those records. Now, for you to come all this time later and and do what you did in Detroit and then come later and back and, like, be an influence of the folks from the West Coast and in the West Coast to, like, reflect that back, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, through, through their level of stardom. And then for, like, the Detroit people to look at the West Coast people and reflect mm-hmm. that back and they go back and forth is just like, anyway, and you're here and you look, like, 12 years old, but... ten. <laughs> But it's like Thank super you. phenomenal. So anyway, so, I gotta yeah. finish. Let you tell your story. Yeah. But. So I was a, I was re- actually a part of it in my own small way. Um, my first recording was on a, a Bootsy Collins album. Um, wow. And it came from a studio session that my dad had with uh, with Uncle Bootsy, mm. and that you know all of the musicians' children were there. Mm. And so Uncle Boosie said, you know what, I'm going to get all of the kids to sing this chorus. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And then so because my dad and Boosie were so tight, mm-hmm. I got a little special treatment. Nice. Oh, okay. So <laughs> Uncle Boosie said, well, I'm, I'm going to have you blow the uh, the funk whistle. Wow. So they stood me in a chair. Mm-hmm. That's so cute. Yeah, in, in United Sound Studios in Detroit. And uh, I blew this whistle on this song called Get Live, Boosie. 
And mm. I also sang on there too on another track. But, wow. But um, that's my first vocal credits. That was mm. in 1979. I got my first recording credits. Mm. Uh, yeah. Did you wow. know early that this this is the path you wanted to go as music? I did not. I did not. I've always been artistic. I can draw well mm-hmm. and uh, and mold things with my hands and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, you know, I've always been uh, attracted to the arts. So music was just another outlet for me, you know, by my dad having drum machines laying around and, you know, music uh, equipment and stuff like that. I used to play with his bird whistle, put water in it and all kind of stuff like that. So That's I, I developed an interest in it from just watching my dad. Yeah. No, okay, so tell us about United Sound a little bit. Okay, so United was like the the home of the funk recordings mm. for Parliament Funkadelic and Boosie Collins and Roger uh, and Zap and all of those people like that. So when I was a kid, like I told you, I, I did the uh, the Boosie Collins record, and I used to, you, you talked about those album covers. Mm-hmm. Um, the artist, his name was Overton Overlord. Yeah, I'm friend. I'm friends with him on um, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I t- <laughs> talk to him, see if he remembers okay. me. Okay. Because he used to he used to take me when a lot of times I, you know I'm a kid. I might mm-hmm. sometimes I might be the only kid in the building at the time, and uh, Overton used to take me in the kitchen part mm-hmm. part, and he would draw, mm-hmm. show me how to draw. And so I remember when he drew the particular uh, album cover that the album that I'm on, uh, this boot is made for funkin' by Uncle Boosie. Mm. He drew that, and I remember him sketching it out and everything on the table. And he told me to try to emulate it, and I did it. And he was like, "You did good," mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? You did good. I remember that. You know, it's all st- still stuck in my head. So mm-hmm. um, I saw the beginning stages of one of those album covers before it even came to wow. be what it is. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh my God! And and the crazy thing is, like this, to me, this culture, like for me, hip hop is like I always say is my religion, and like part of my you know tenets, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, funk is like one of the, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. pathways, and like especially the era we grew up in, funk was really important to hip hop. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It was a real foundational element yeah. of hip hop, and so like. Just to know that from a child, or even just like from your dad's generation, that that's where all that came from. That's just like mm-hmm. so powerful. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, oh it's yeah. Like just knowing that, and that's all like Detroit. I mean, can you? It's like a, it's like a, it's like a triple chapter inside of an encyclopedia. Form. Right. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can like flip through it and be like, oh, look, here it is. Right. You know what I mean? By yep. by accident. It's right. Like it. And this remnants of it, like still going. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, but you it's, didn't. it's remnants of it still in hip hop and in traces. Like I was just mm-hmm. with uh, EPMD um, uh, last week, mm-hmm. and uh, Eric Sermon he, he has a fondness for me now because I told him when I kicked it with him uh, last year. I did a show with him, and I told him I said, you know those hand claps that you sample mm-hmm. on more bounce to the ounce. You know, you know them hand claps. He said, he said. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, them, them, them hand claps hard, you know. Mm-hmm. I say, yeah, everybody samples them. You know, that's my dad. You know, my dad what made. What he say? He said what? Yeah. I said, I said, I told him how my dad did it. He said, mm-hmm. I said, those aren't real hand claps. Those, mm-hmm. those are two two by fours with a, a door hinge mm-hmm. connected and two drawer handles. Wow. And he sits on the floor and slaps them together in front of the Neumann U87. Wow. So he could tell that when I was telling him the story, he like, mm-hmm. you didn't make that up, man. He said, right. he said, man, put my number in your phone when I right. first met him. 
So we've been cool ever since. But mm-hmm. yeah. that's a particular you can't get that song. No. Nah. People try to duplicate it, but they don't know everything my dad did. I, like mm-hmm. I told a little bit of it, but it's all kind of uh, effect units that he ran them through and all mm-hmm. of that. Put a tambourine and all. Mm-hmm. That's so that's why they. Stuff. Yeah, wow. I just heard Eminem. Eminem, uh, the song on the uh, the Venom soundtrack. Uh, he got the title song for that movie, and uh, those are my dad's hand claps that Doc, mm-hmm. Dr. Dre uh, sampled for that song. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, so they they keep getting recycled. Right. Shouts out to pops. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and y'all got to listen to his interview, like I said, again, on Detroit is Different. But yeah, so, okay, so let's go to, how did you even get into hip-hop? I mean, we we couldn't help but be in hip-hop because it was the era. Yeah. But I mean, like, you specifically, like, you know, doing hip-hop as, like, you know, your career, your path, and okay. kind of thing. So, everybody from here who listens to the radio knows that the biggest DJ back in the day was the electrifying mojo. Mm-hmm. So I used to listen to Mojo all the time. Mm. And he he like he influenced I like I like used to, I used to sit by the radio and like, man, listen to all this hip hop and all this, you know, this, you know, Run DMC was coming out at the time, the mm-hmm. Fat Boys, people mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So that's when I developed this uh an interest in hip hop. But prior to that, I had an interest in um techno. Mm. The early techno. Mm-hmm. Like craftwork. Mm-hmm. Groups like Craftwork and um I'm trying to think of who else, you know, African Mambada, of course, mm-hmm. you know, when he emerged too. And so little did I know, one of my good friends around the block from me, I used to hang with his brother, was uh, somebody that introduced me to this techno music, right? He, mm-hmm. he introduced me to tech, uh, to craft work because I used to go get my friend to go to work, go to school in the morning. Mm-hmm. So we go over there in the morning and, and his brother Rob will be playing all this techno music. I'm like, man, this is dope, man. You know, we can break dance to this stuff, man. This is dope, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so that's how I discovered who Craftwork who was, right? Mm-hmm. So, years later, I didn't find out. Maybe like in the last two years, I found out that Rob is Robert Hood from here. Mm. Okay, Robert Hood is in the underground resistance. Mm-hmm. So, I all these years, I never knew that my big brother was. Robert Hood from wow. the Underground Resistance. You know, I'm like that's that's Rob. I didn't know that. I never knew Rob's last name because my friends, mm-hmm. his he was his half brother, so he well, they didn't okay, have the same okay. they didn't have the same last name. So I didn't mm-hmm. pick up on it. I'm mm-hmm. like I'm like your name is McCullough. I didn't know his last name was Hood. Mm-hmm. He said, Yeah, man, that's my brother, man. So I'm going on YouTube and I'm watching him on the Red Bull, uh, you know, interviews and stuff like that. I'm like, Look at that, that's my big brother. Wow. And 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 he used to look up to my dad a lot. Okay. Because. Like, we live, like, directly around the block from each other. Wow. And so all these old records that my dad played on, like Five Special and uh, the Dramatics and stuff, mm. Rob used to have, he used to be a big fan of that. He's like, man, the guy who did those records, he lives around the block. Wow. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So, but that's how I got into the techno aspect uh, mm-hmm. first, and then it led me into hip-hop. Mm-hmm. When uh, Run DMC emerged, you know, and... Uh, you know, I heard Jam Master J doing all those cuts and scratches, man. I wanted to do that. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, I, I got to get me some turntables. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, I didn't have any, but I just, I longed to do that. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends, uh, this guy named Ironside, he, he's, called, he's called Ironside. Now he's in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. At the time, he wasn't. Mm-hmm. And he could rap real good. He was from school, from, uh, from my uh, junior high school. Mm-hmm. So 
I used to go over to his house, and they put one of those record players, like how you said, mm-hmm. in the garage, and they were out there trying to emulate scratching mm-hmm. with the phono knob and turned, you know. And okay, the- first of all, if you are not familiar with what DJ Lois is talking about. It's a component this set. This is hilarious, <laughs> yeah. what he's actually saying. <laughs> yeah. It's actually super hilarious. Uh, if you could, it's called a component set, right? Yep. Yeah. So it had it had like an eight track, mm-hmm. a cassette deck, mm-hmm. and a radio and a turntable on, on top. It was all mm-hmm. in one. I don't think I've ever seen that. I still have my. Right. I, have my I got my original. So it's like say what it all it is in one again. It's it's a it's called a component set. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and it it encompasses like you could play eight tracks. Mm-hmm. You could play cassette tape if it it had those. Two things on it, and you can also play the radio, and the turntable was on top of it. Mm-hmm. So it was all one unit. For getting it in. Yeah. It was, it was pretty much what most people had Yeah, in their home. Because you had different formats. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Some people might have cassette tapes to play. Some people might only have eight tracks. So, you know, it, my particular unit that my dad bought me when I was a kid, it had everything on it. Because mm-hmm. he was always thorough with what yeah. he would purchase. He'd be like, you know what? You don't want to just get one with just... The eight track on mm-hmm. it because they're getting ready to phase into cassettes, right? You know, so you want to have a cassette deck on this thing too. Mm-hmm. So, um, my friend Roscoe, uh, he was a rapper, mm-hmm. and he lived down the street from uh, Jerry Flynn. Okay, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So I'll go over there. We all lived in the same neighborhood, and I would go over there and, and try to learn how to scratch. That's where wow. I first got my my first taste of scratching with with the phono knob and the, and playing with the record. You know what I'm saying? And making it cut on and off. And I'm like, man, this is this is cool, man. I want to do this, man. So What year do you think this is? This had to be like... like 85? Yep. 85? 85. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So um, I didn't have a turntable yet. Mm-hmm. So I went to my grandmother's house. I knew my grandmother had a portable turntable. Oh, listen, listen. Okay. First of all, mm-hmm. people didn't have portable. Well, they didn't have... They they might have had like a close and play mm-hmm. or like some kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But this is really interesting that you're saying she had a yeah she had a portable. See, my grandmother a lot. I don't always talk about my grandma like that, but my grandmother and my grandfather they used to have parties at the house. From what my dad told me, mm-hmm. every every week everybody would come over on Friday and everything. Mm-hmm. Like how you say you used mm-hmm. to play for the family. Yeah, my grandma had tons of records and forty right, fives. Right, right. so she was That's the DJ. So cool. Yeah. So your grandma was the the DJ. Okay. Yep. Yep. Shouts out to your grandma, the yep. DJ. Yeah, but before she passed, I said what I used to tell her. I said, that's mm-hmm. where I get this from, Grandma, because mm-hmm. you was a DJ. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. So um, so I went over there to her house and uh I knew she had one in the attic. And I said, Grandma, can I borrow your um they had this it was this record it was a record player. It wasn't called a turntable, it was called a record player. Yeah, a record player. And it had two detachable speakers on it. Oh it was wow. Like uh, old school with carpet on it and all it's the old man. pretty fancy. I, I got that somewhere too. I got it put up somewhere. Wow. So I asked her, could I borrow it? Could I take it home? You know, she said, Yeah, you can you can borrow it. Don't let nothing happen to it. Mm. You know, I keep it. I said, Grandma, you're not even using this thing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, she's like, I don't know. Maybe one day I will again. Mm-hmm. So I took it home. And uh, of course you know what I needed it for. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. I was gonna learn how to scratch on it, yeah. but I wasn't gonna tell grandma that. Yeah. So I'm cutting on it and this, this, that, and the other and uh at the time, I, I I worked at my dad's uh, recording studio as well as a janitor. Mm. So he and my mom had split up. Mm-hmm. I'm living with my mom. Mm-hmm. He lives where he lives. Mm-hmm. And 
but he would come to pick me up to take me to the studio with him to be the janitor. That's cool. He comes to pick me up, and he discovers me scratching on Uh-oh. this turntable. Right? He walks in on me, and he's like, uh, <laughs> he's like, uh, what you doing? You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, oh, oh I'm, I'm, I'm scratching that. You know, he said, I said, I can see that. He said, that's my mother's turntable that you got right there. I can see that. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? He said, don't you need some real equipment for that? Oh, wow. Cause, because, you know, my dad has always been a musician. Right, right, So right, he right. saw, he saw. He saw hip hop emerging. He was on tour mm. with Run DMC. He, they, he told me they used to laugh at them mm. at, at Run DMC because they thought it wouldn't last. He's mm-hmm. like, he like, you know, they that's that's a crude form of music. It's mm-hmm. it's not gonna take off. You know what I'm saying? They would mm-hmm. open up for groups like RJ's Latest Arrival. I think mm-hmm. my dad was touring with them at the time. And my uncle was in RJ's Latest Arrival. With Uncle RJ, what? Mm-hmm. That's deep. So they all. My dad was in it too. My uncle William. Yeah, my mm-hmm. dad played on Shackles. So right, Shackles on my feet. Yep. Don't this, let you dance. Yep. <laughs> Y'all don't know about that. The it's little space, the, the space noise. This is the beginning of Detroit <laughs> hip hop in yep. a way. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, is, yeah. Is, all is, of what, that. What would that be called? Like, a, is Actually, it R and B or? Yeah, that's like dance. I don't know. I don't even know. What it's, it's like it's, it's like, like its, own it's like what you said. It's like mm-hmm. when people were trying to emulate what uh, George Clinton and Parliament right, were right, doing. Right. That's what they were doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but that. That's not even the first, what I would consider to be the first hip-hop from Detroit. Um, mm-hmm. The song that I would consider to be that would be one that my dad rapped on. You know, my dad is like the first rapper out of Detroit. Wow. You, you, do you remember, I should have known. Do you remember uh, Out Come the Freaks? How does it go? Woodwork squeaks and out come the freaks. Huh. You remember that? That would be a hip-hop tune if he was rapping on it, wouldn't it? He, he rapped. Okay, there you he go. He did. He did. He rapped... Uh, that came out in 81, mm-hmm, 1981. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's the first release with rap music out of Detroit. Wow. See, I saw mine that you were some of the first hip hop to come out of Detroit. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I had the yeah. first rap rap album mm-hmm. from Detroit. Mm-hmm. But my dad was actually the first rapper, and I and I credit that to um Masi Ski from Detroit's mm-hmm. Most Wanted. He called yeah. he called me to tell me that. He he mm-hmm. said, uh, he said, you know, your dad is like the first rapper. I said, no, nah, man, it's got to be Felix and Jarvis. You know, they, mm-hmm. I remember they came out with Flamethrower. He said, no, your dad was on, on uh, out, out Come the Freaks, and it came out before Felix mm-hmm. and Jarvis. And I said, I went and looked it up. I said, you right, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, he said, yeah, so your dad is the first rapper, wow. bro. Wow, isn't that interesting? Yeah, that's deep. See, yeah. another, shout out to Butch Small. Yeah. We love yeah. you. Yeah, that's my homie. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I say that's my hero. You know what I'm saying? So he's very innovative and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know another guy on the planet like him. So did mm-hmm. he? So did he get you the right equipment? Yeah. Let me let me go back to that. Um. So he said, "Don't don't you need some equipment for that?" I said, "Yeah, Dad. Well, you know, I don't have no money. You know, I'm all embarrassed. He didn't caught me scratching on my grandmother's right. turntable. You know, I'm like, I don't got no money for that, Dad. You know." He said, "Well, he said I'm gonna take you to uh, Wonderland Music wow. tomorrow. Wonderland Music. If y'all don't know, that was like a. It was like a pretty like." Extensive but like staple kind of um, record store when when we had like this is be- many choices of record stores. Yeah, this is before before Guitar Center and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it's way before all of that. It was like th- there used to be lots of different t- um, music stores. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't just like, like mom one. and pop ones, like in different. No, neighborhoods. no, no. This one wasn't mom and pop. This one was 
what would you call it? It wasn't huge like like a like a chain. It was it was Guitar Center before Guitar yeah, Center. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But yeah, it was a smaller much. smaller scale. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't uh, fr- it wasn't a franchise. Right. It still right. It's, it was huge. It still exists. It's yeah. it's on Michigan Avenue mm-hmm. in Dearborn. So that's well, one. I've seen it. It's one location. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the main location there. But they used to have smaller locations. They had one on Greenfield, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I think yeah, I know that one closed. But the okay. main one is still there. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, but they were pretty big, and the owner, Crazy Clarence. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was his name. Uh, Crazy Clarence was uh, my dad's friend. He said, "I'm gonna wow. take. I'm gonna take you to." Uh, I wonder see. do people remember those commercials? Crazy Clarence, his, his prices are insane. Yeah, I do. You know what I'm saying? I do. <laughs> Y'all should look that up on YouTube. It's pretty funny. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, so so he said he was going to take me, you know, mm-hmm. over there the next day. And so the next day came and he took me in there. He bought me one Technique 1200 turntable. Wow. And a new Mark mixer mm-hmm. and a guitar amp a pv guitar amp so that i could play the sound through and he he said i'm i'm gonna see what you do with this because he spent about fifteen hundred dollars on just that wow and, and, that. and that's a lot of money like it's yeah. a lot of money now yeah but that's a lot of money like yeah because you know 80s. a, a 1200 back then was like seven eight hundred dollars by itself it's still that well this is like a thousand <laughs> yeah yeah but this is when they first came out i still yeah, i still yeah, use yeah. my same ones that he bought mm, me too wow so um, I don't got $1,500 to just go and buy some equipment right, <laughs> right. Well, he he knew. See, he my dad my dad was, he was mm-hmm. smart. You know, he knew what time it was because he's a musician. And he, mm-hmm. knew, he knew that hip-hop was getting ready to take off. He thought he, he knew that you were, you know, going to be a chip off the old shoulder. Yeah, he was going to try to nurture mm-hmm. it. You yeah, know what I'm saying? He, yeah. he wanted to see, though. He wanted to see if I was going to mm-hmm. do it on my own. He didn't want to push me. Right, right, But right. he bought me the equipment and he mm-hmm. bought me... One turntable. He didn't buy me two at the time. Okay, he wants to see what you're going to do with this. He but he did get you the new mark, which to this day, that brand is kind of like a staple brand for a lot of folks. It, it is. For, you for know. Mixer. Mm, yeah, no not not no more. Okay. You know, not no more. It would okay. be, it'd be Pioneer and Vestex and people like that. And, okay. and you know, okay. yeah, and uh, Serato now. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I going to say? So, so he bought me the turntable and the mixer, so he was like a... Uh, he wanted to see if I was going to, you know, have passion with it, which I did. Mm-hmm. And like two weeks later, he asked me um, to go somewhere with him. To the, He wanted me to go to the mall with him. So I go to the mall, and we go in there, and we go to the store. They had the store in uh, Northland Mall in Detroit, um, Southfield, Michigan, but we, mm-hmm. we call that Detroit. Mm-hmm. And this store was a store that was set up where if you were a rapper or a singer. Or, right. When they closed, did they still have that kind of something set up? Uh, not what well, the mall is closed down, so right. well, nothing's I just, there. I just don't with a gap. Like I feel like you're bringing back my memories a little bit. Like I feel like I've walked into the mall, that mall before, and have seen that. That's crazy. Yeah, they had something similar to what I'm like. Later on, mm-hmm. a friend of mine named Gennaro, he set up a studio booth in in the middle of the mall where you can go okay. in and that's create what a, I'm thinking about. Though. Yeah, that's Gennaro, but this was totally this was way before that. Okay. And so what it was, um, you go to this store and you bring your demo mm. with your own music on it. Mm. And they let you go in the room and it was a glass uh, in front of you where everybody in the mall could see you mm. singing, <laughs> singing or rapping, right? 
and you're in this little box of you know of glass or whatever. Mm-hmm. And what their their concept was, we'll create a video for you. Mm-hmm. So you, over your own demo music, we'll create mm-hmm. a video and put it on VHS Kill tape. Yeah, like VH, VHS was the thing yeah, back VHS then. VHS was yeah. the thing. So um, my dad takes me there, and um, so we sit standing outside this window watching these rappers. You know, I'm like, I don't know why we're here. You know, he asked me mm-hmm. to come here with him. Okay, so I'm mm-hmm. watching these rappers and all of this. And um, then I see my uncles, his my dad's uh, partners mm-hmm. that they form eventually end up forming World One Records with. I see both of them at the, there, you know, at the mm-hmm. at the place, and I'm like, what are they here for? Like, what's up, un- what's up, Uncle Gene? What's up, Uncle John? You know. So we we sit there and we watch this one guy rap, mm-hmm. and they all turn to me and ask me, what did I think? I said, I said he was dope. You know what I'm saying? I said I'd probably say fresh back then. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Fresh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, we didn't say dope. We didn't say dope yet. Fresh. Till yeah, it was mm-hmm. fresh. He, he's fresh. Mm-hmm. And um, they like okay, so we're gonna introduce you to him. Mm-hmm. So he came out the booth, and uh, he introduced me to him, and um, he said, "This is a uh, this is Ambrico. He calls himself Easy B." Mm. And uh, what you think about you guys forming a group together? Mm-hmm. I'm like. I'm cool with it. You know what I'm saying? I'm mm-hmm. like, I only had a turntable and a mixer for like two weeks, man. You know what That's I'm saying? Funny. I don't know nothing about being in a rap group or nothing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I know about rap music, but I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's do this, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So um, he said, I'm going to let y'all form form a group together, and then, you know, I'll come pick you up so you guys can rehearse and right, develop right, right. songs together and stuff like that. Your dad like. was like, we're about to get this money. Yeah, see, he, yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. He had he had a brainstorm. He He, he said... He said, I'm going to start a record label, mm-hmm. and I want the record label to encompass all genres of music, mm-hmm. so I'm going to name it World One Records, mm. but I'm going to use the hip-hop as the catalyst mm-hmm. because I know it'll generate capital fast mm-hmm. because he saw that. He saw Eric B. and Rakim do it, mm-hmm. saw Run DMC, mm-hmm. LL Cool J. He mm-hmm. saw how much money they was making so fast. Mm-hmm. He said, so the rapper's... The, the rappers that I signed to the label, mm-hmm. they will bring the money that I need in mm-hmm. order to sustain the company in a more broader mm-hmm. sense. Like, with he wanted reggae, mm-hmm. jazz, you know what I'm saying? He wanted all kinds of genres of music mm-hmm. on it. And uh, so that's what we end up doing. We end up forming a group, Easy B and DJ Lowe's. I didn't have a name yet. I didn't even have a name. My dad named me. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. we, me and my wow. dad, I remember me and my dad talking. And he's like, so what you going to call yourself? You going to be in this group? You know what I'm saying? I said, I don't know, man. I'm just a DJ. And mm-hmm. I, you know what I'm saying? My nickname is Los. He's like, well, they call you Los. And you, and that's what you're doing. You're a DJ. You DJ Los. Okay. Just like that. Wow. Uh, easily. And, and it's easy. Stamp. Easy to remember. And I, I was like. Easy to spell. Because, you know, a lot of a lot of rappers back then, they were coming up with mm-hmm. cool names, you know, like Ice Cube, mm-hmm. Ice Cube, Ice T, mm-hmm. Sabotage, and you know, yeah. and I couldn't come up with nothing like that, you know what I'm saying? Star I just want Yeah, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I didn't have, I just wanted to be me. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how I ended up being just DJ Lowe's. Mm-hmm. So um, we ended up going to the studio maybe about a couple of weeks after that and started on our first album. Wow. You know, he, because he, he said you start guys are starting a group. Uh, how, what y'all think about uh, cutting a, a full album? I said, wow. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. Mm-hmm. You know, this is my dad and my uncles. They're spearheading this whole thing. Mm. I give them credit for everything. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, 
uh, other than me. I, I taught myself how to scratch. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and make beats. I taught yeah. myself all of those things, but they saw my interest and incorporated me in their vision. How important is that? Right, yeah. that match. Yep. Is, but just the, even thinking like, you know, like with just in a broader societal thing with the way that, you know, the narrative is about fathers and sons yep. and just the nature of your relationship and the nurturing and the, you know, investment that he's done in you and just even seeing you guys together. Mm-hmm. But... Is a is a great you know story you know what I'm saying like to share is a great example of um you know a, a, a success story about you know Detroit hip hop so that's really yeah. beautiful actually oh, yeah. to share I'm just appreciating that right now yeah so that's that's you're not the only one you know what I'm saying I wouldn't be mm. DJ Los if it wasn't for my dad mm. so you know I and I know that and that's why you see me sharing so much because I know mm. that everybody didn't have that opportunity. I was, was just about to say like and shout out to my pops like he's taught me lessons that like no one else on this earth could teach me but mm-hmm. he played basketball like he played for U of M he wow. was a city star and I came out the womb like where is the basketball <laughs> right, he right. didn't know how to be teachable like he didn't know how to I don't know if it was because I was a girl it was weird for him because there was a little bit of distance in our relationship mm-hmm. but like if I could have had just an inch of that right like, right I mean? right right That's and yeah. I'm, again, I love my pops. There's things that nobody else can teach me, so I'm not mm-hmm. down on them. But some people don't know how to do that. Yeah. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Some people just don't know how to do that. Yeah. Like, this, to, to broaden the example so people understand what I'm saying, there's people who go to school, they get engineering degrees, they get physics degrees, but they try to come back in the classroom and teach, and they don't, it's not the same. Right. They, they know how to create, mm-hmm. but they don't know how to teach. How what to share. Exactly. Right. And nurture and support. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's a spiritual thing. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It's a spiritual thing. So everybody has a, you know, they don't have the same growth uh, rate when it comes mm-hmm. to that. You know, everybody, we all on our own path uh, spiritually. Mm-hmm. And you got you got different levels of it. And, um, you know, it don't mean that they can't learn, though. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, but like getting back to myself, that's why you see me, Piper. You see me like sharing with everybody because I know within myself, I'm like, you know, I wouldn't be doing any of this stuff if it were for my dad nurturing what I do. Mm-hmm. So I gotta, I gotta give back to whoever I can give back and help mm-hmm. people as much as I can. You know, I just helped a DJ the other day. He just just met me, did a show. He's like, "Man, you great, man. I'm just starting <laughs> out. You know, what do I do?" And I told him on the phone through text mm-hmm. messages and talking. And he did his first show the other day. He just texted me back. He's like, "It was perfect, man. Thank you." Wow. You know what I'm saying? That's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know so. That that uh that makes me feel like uh, I'm I'm fulfilling my purpose here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again and again and again. Paying it for yeah. it. Yeah. 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 So how did the whole how'd you go from that group to cause we're talking what, this is still eighty five? That group is eighty six. About eighty six. About eighty six. Um not even eighty six, it was eighty seven because mm-hmm. that's when we started um recording in eighty seven. Mm-hmm. So, and the album came out, the album Untouchable came out in 88, which made it the right. f- first full-length rap album out of Detroit, mm-hmm. which we we didn't know none of that when we was doing it. We just doing stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And now when we go back and we like, dang, we, the, we was the first ones <laughs> with, a full, with a full album. And yeah. so I like to clarify that because we, we're not claiming that we were the first rappers out of Detroit or none of that. I understand. You know, but... You're talking about com- in the commercial world. Right. Yeah. Per- period. You know, because there mm-hmm. were other rappers before us. You had, like, Robert S. and 
Um, oh, the the one thing to note though. Okay, mm-hmm. so nowadays the way the music um, comes to people, people stream. So they stream uh, on YouTube or they stream on like a streaming service, and like um, people do a lot of remixes. So it's very easy because the music is digital for folks to have a whole lot of music, right? Because they could there's it's easier to make music, it's easier to like produce music, it's easier to get music like out there mm-hmm. into a finished form mm-hmm. because it's digital. Yeah. So just for folks who were not from that analog era, mm-hmm. the 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 difference was uh they had to actually go when they went into the studio, there was some physical application or some some way that the music had to get made mm-hmm. so that other people could listen to it. So it had to get so when you went into the studio, you actually made music and it was recorded onto tape. Oh yeah. Like an actual piece of <laughs> plastic <Yeah>. tape. Right? <laughs> And right. so then that tape, so then it was so expensive because like now rappers go into the studio and we're really just talking about time for mm-hmm. the most part, right? Mm-hmm. So when you go into the studio, like people rap and rap and rap, but the 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 money that's um that needs to be spent is really more about spending money on the time that you're in the studio. But back in the day, the money that had to be spent was in materials. What, the mm. materials and what it was going to take, mm-hmm. right, to turn that tape in addition to the into time. something wow. else. Right, in you addition had to, to the time. Yeah, in you addition had, to the time. Yep. Because I just saw a musical movie and the, they were in the studio and somebody was like, man, we about to run out of tape. Mm-hmm. And I was right. like, does that mean it's about to, the thing is about to like yes. be done? Yes, it yeah. would be. So, so literally... The 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 technical skills that folks had to have back then, they had to understand how to splice tape. That's mm-hmm. where those terms and stuff come from. Yeah, they had to literally take a piece of scissors and mm-hmm. cut the tape, and and then tape those pieces together. Mm-hmm. And that's how you cut things together. Now you you go into the uh, whatever Pro software Pro that you're going to use whatever. Yeah, take mm. your mouse and you put things together it. and it's a timeline and all mm. that but back in the day it was actually like this, this a reel it was actually like reels and then you had to be mindful so there was a per- that was a person's job mm. was watching those reels and and when they were giving you like time it was letting you know like if you talk after this point Nothing is gonna record you, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so you know that's where that time, that's where giving the time signals were, because that person's job was literally just watching that piece of tape, and then being able to within split seconds change the tape so that mm-hmm. no, you know, time was lost, or being able to gauge like how much tape they needed to be able to record, and then there was a whole another process that was like the vinyl process, which was like how does that get now transferred onto this disc that's then going to be pressed, that's going to be replicated and sent out. Mm-hmm. So that kind of explanation is just for the folks who... Not only that, the art, the that. artwork, the artwork. And the we, artwork. Didn't, we didn't have Photoshop and all of this no, stuff where you can no. do something real quick and say it's your album cover. Right. <laughs> we, had, we had to actually go to a site, take a picture, mm-hmm. and then they have to go and uh, edit it and, and do whatever they had to do physically. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Print Cut, it. Print it. You know, develop the negatives. The, 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 the negatives, the mm-hmm. color codes for the album. Each Like, I got yeah. all of our uh, original album covers at home, and it's like layers of, like, clear plastic with each color for mm-hmm. all bound together. Like, if you peel one one layer, mm-hmm. that's the reds, that's mm-hmm. in that picture, that's the blues, that's mm-hmm. the greens, mm-hmm. that's the yellows, yeah. and, it's, and it all 
oh, excuse me, it's okay. all forms together. Mm-hmm. Uh, to make that one picture, yeah. you know what I'm saying. So yeah. like now they, they it's so much appreciation in that. Like mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like I don't know. I don't want to digress and say like, well, this is a this is a hypothesis of why this generation doesn't appreciate the music. That's yeah. funny. But I think it's definitely a hypothesis. Yeah, even even the terms that we use on the equipment like loop. Right. You know, you mm. say, oh, this is yeah, this is a button. I press loop. Mm-hmm. But you know where that came from? It came from. In the studio, I witnessed it. My dad, they used to, like, say they wanted a a crowd to continuously go in the background of a song. They would have a reel-to-reel. They have the tape coming off of the reel, and they have a microphone stand, right? (laughs) And they would have the tape come off of the reel and Mm -hmm. go wrap around the microphone stand Mm -hmm. and loop back around to the tape, and it would continuously go like that to create that that looping sound Mm -hmm. through the whole record. I watched it myself when I seen them when they did it. That's where the term loop came from, because it's a loop. It literally was looping. It's a literal loop, a a physical loop. Yeah, all of the terms were things that you had to actually do. These were so nowadays people go to like audio engineering school or or Mm. maybe they do, maybe they don't, but everything is digital. So like the processes are pretty much all the same, whether Mm -hmm. you make films or whether whether you edit films or whether you edit video. Mm -hmm. And they've always kind of sort of been the same. Mm -hmm. So, but back in the day, you really had to be a technician and a scientist because you were dealing with chemicals and then you were dealing with like um, tools. So you so you really had to be like more like an engineer, and mm-hmm. you really were an engineer, sound engineer. So you had to really craft how things were actually going to happen. Whereas now, um, everything you're still you still have to have skill, like you still have to understand, but it's just different types of skills. A lot of things are pre-made for you now. Mm-hmm. You know, like I talked to about save my dad. That time, yeah. But you said talk. You know, talk about your dad. Like, like how I talked mm-hmm. about my dad's hand claps mm-hmm. and how he constructed those. Mm-hmm. It's many sounds. They they were very innovative. Like when you talked about uh, One Nation, mm-hmm. if you listen to that record in the background, my dad is swinging a, a water hose that he cut around in a circle, and that's what makes that whoo, the little whistle sound right, right, in the right. background. They don't do any of those things in music like that mm-hmm. anymore. I well, just, they have machines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. program sounds. Right, 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 right. It's yeah. all pre-made for you, just like the mm-hmm. foods that we're eating. You know right, what I'm saying? Right, it's right. the same concept. <laughs> you know, it's ready-made. It, you mm-hmm. know, uh, dumbing us down and, and not giving us uh, the opportunity to, cre- you know, to make use our creative juices, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. That's deep. Mm-hmm. It's deep, right? So then how did you, how did you guys go from, because, like, that was one iteration of DJ Lowe's. Mm-hmm. But then you have a whole nother like project that I don't know if it emerged from that project or that came right after that project or a mm-hmm. whole nother group that you were a part of. Which that, which one? Because I DJ for so many people. Well, so, so I guess I want to move into like so that was like that wasn't your first group, was it? That was your first group. Easy B and DJ Lowe's was my first group. Oh, okay, so that was your first group. Yeah. And so then, so that's successful. Mm-hmm. So. Well, tell us first about that success. Like, let's talk about that for a minute because okay. that's like super huge. That's like big part of Detroit history, actually. Okay, so when we did the album, um, like first of all, the album cost us like thirty five thousand dollars to create. You know wow. what I'm saying? So a lot of people don't realize that we spent a lot of money. Well, mm-hmm. I didn't. My dad and my my two uncles did mm-hmm. to create the project, mm-hmm. and uh, it did pretty good. 
um, mm-hmm. considering the time. Mm-hmm. I think we sold like 17,000 units, and a unit is 25 copies. 25 copies is a unit. So 17,000 times 25, that'll give you the number of— These are albums. Let's just yeah. be clear. We're talking so about a is, physical disc, a record, an album, right. not digitally. Yeah. There's no, no social for, media. No no internet, none of that. No internet, internet, internet came out in 96, right? Yeah. Or somewhere around there, so or 94. how were y'all able to sell the, these records? I mean, like, how did people find out that they wanted the record? And then, and then how were you able to get the record to people? Well, back then, like, we had posters, and um, we had posters printed up, and little cutouts of the album. And mm-hmm. my dad and my two uncles went around the whole country, mm. stapling those album covers and putting those posters up and giving away thousands of copies. Wow. Just like they went to the... Prom- co- promotional material. Yeah, they spent mm. thousands of dollars just giving product wow. away just to create a buzz. Like how you say, mm. like you do mixtapes now and people mm-hmm. say, well, you know, I'm not going to charge them. I'm going to do this free mixtape mm-hmm. and put it on the internet now. Mm-hmm. That's the same concept. That's where they got that from. Mm-hmm. You go and give the music away, a, a portion of it away free mm-hmm. so it'll create a buzz for the other listeners, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So they're like, oh, shoot, let me go buy that. You know, I want that, I want that too, or yeah. you know what I'm saying? So um, that's, my dad, they physically drove around the country. Mm-hmm. They didn't fly, they drove. Mm-hmm. They drove, I remember, they used to load up records and cassette tapes mm-hmm. and posters, and they'd be gone for days, and then they'd come back and like, okay, yeah, we hit Chicago, and we went to, Illinois, you know, this place and such and such. And you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. then whatever routes were near in that area. Mm-hmm. And they would they hit all of the major cities. And they uh, even L.A., you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying, Watts. You know what I'm saying? They drove mm-hmm. all through Watts and gave copies away to the point where we actually sold more records in California than we sold anywhere. Mm-hmm. To the point where they painted our picture on the side of Tower Records. Mm, and Tower, Tower Records used to be a major record store in yeah. the country. Huge. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and and so like just the fact of being painted in Cali. Yeah, mm-hmm, right, right. Mm-hmm. So that's you know, like they. I didn't realize the impact until later in life. Mm-hmm. My dad showed me the picture. He took a picture of. It. He's like, "Look, mm-hmm. see, they painted your you guys album cover. They painted you on on the side of Tower Records." I'm like, I'm like, oh, that's cool. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, mm-hmm. it's just on this little small yeah picture. Mm-hmm. When I got out there years later. And he, we were downtown in L.A., and my dad said, well, that's you see where they got TLC painted right there? <laughs> and I said, "I said, yeah. You know, he said, that's where they, they painted y- y'all pictures. Wow. And I said, I said, that big wall right there, that giant wow. wall? He said, he said, yeah, that's what I was trying to tell you. I said, wow. So that is— ex- tell, tell them about when you told me, like, was it DJ Quick or somebody? Yeah, I was going to get ready to get to that. That's, that's why when I run into certain people and I go to talk to them and I try to— Tell them and introduce myself, and I'll tell mm-hmm. them who I am. They're like, man, I know who you are, man. Wow. And so I, that happened with me with Quick, um, DJ Quick. I um, mm. I went out there one one year to visit my dad, and my dad, it's, it's on YouTube. You can e- even see that, see him talking about me on, on YouTube. He's out of air. But it, I didn't capture the part where he actually said what he said. He he talked about me a little bit, but when he, if you just saw my face when I had the camera, <laughs> he said, um, my, my dad was like, uh, this is my son, DJ Lowe's. He said, oh, yeah, yeah, DJ Lowe's, what's up, man? I said, yeah, yeah, man, I'm good to meet you. He said, man, I know who you are. Mm. He said, I used to play your record every day. That is wow. I said, what? I put the camera down like, what? And I, I didn't capture that part when he said that, but I said, what? He said, man, I used to play your record every day. Wow. He said, um, he said you were, um, hold on, 
You feel me? Oh, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Alias Pinochle. Mm-hmm. Um, Shouts out Pinochle. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when he told me that, it blew my mind. You know, he was like, man, I used to play your record every day. And that's when he went into the description of our record label and how it was designed. And, the, the, you know, the, he said, you used to have the earth and the piano coming out of the side of it. Mm-hmm. And this to that. So he proved to me he wasn't lying. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's like, look, I know what I'm talking about. I know who you are. Wow. So... And so the same thing with Snoop and uh, Daz and Corrupt and all of them. My dad wore a Chaos and Maestro shirt. I don't know if people know who Chaos and Maestro is, but Legendary that's Legendary that's Detroit hip hop pioneers. Yeah. And they they were my label mates. They were mm-hmm. on our same label. My dad put that group out, mm. and he wore that their uh, t shirt to a studio session he was doing for the Dog Pound. And they were like, "Man, we bought that. We know who Chaos and Maestro are." Wow. You know what I'm saying? So that's so dope. Yeah. Yep. So then how, so then your dad goes around, you sell 17,000 units out the trunk, which is like two short numbers. Yeah, back then. That's a lot for back then. Yeah. You know, the, not now, but. And, and two short, that's what he did. Yeah. The same process. Yeah. Yep, yep, he did. Yeah, yep. traveling around. That's, that's how, a lot of records just in general. Yeah. Oh my God. So we, like we, so when, I'm not a millionaire or nothing like that, but mm-hmm. we created success from that, from that album. We right. were able to pay the record uh, company back. All of the thousands that they spent on that's good. We broke even there, and then I I recoup uh, recoup some uh, royalties off of it. That's great. So a lot of people don't don't get to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They just take a loss. Mm-hmm. You know. So did you guys? Um, I'm not trying to, and you can guys can both let me know if I'm jumping shit. But did mm-hmm. you guys have to like do a tour? We never got a chance to do just a tour. Curious. Yeah, just we. Curious. But no, that's okay. We can talk about it. We never got a chance to do a tour because um, my partner ended up getting in, in some trouble. Okay. Mm. Yep. Yeah, uh, my, my partner, Easy B, I talk to him all the time. He's still incarcerated. Okay. Oh, no. Shouts out. Yeah. And yeah, that's Easy love. B. E dot Z Period. dot B, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I like yep. that. That's dope. And see, I don't know who came first. I, I know, at the t- see, we came out around the same time when NWA was emerging. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they showed mm-hmm. Detroit a lot of love. They did. Yeah, mm-hmm. they did. But... The thing that happened with us, as opposed to them, is when they came out, they came out with gangster rap, mm-hmm. and they was hard. You know what I'm saying? You know that mm-hmm. everybody wanted to gravitate towards that, mm-hmm. and our stuff. When we came out, it was a little soft. You know what I'm saying? And that, and that was by design because mm-hmm. my my dad he he didn't want us to curse. He said, mm-hmm. "Look, y'all can't curse." Mm-hmm. We was upset about it too because you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's like. Funny. I'm like, man, you know, we cuss behind your back. You know what yeah, I'm saying? You know yeah. what I'm saying? So he's like, he said, y'all can't cuss because I don't want that parental advisory sticker on your on your label on the mm-hmm. on the record. He said, I want because wanna- oh, because back then, um, so before all of the legal um battles that were fought and won um in the late '80s around the advisory sticker, the advisory sticker was a hindrance to people being able to make money. So it was like a mark? Initially. Okay. Uh, um, initially, it was a mark of, um, you know, uh, you're going to make less money. Later, mm. later, it became a mark of you're going to make more money. <laughs> okay. But, but mm-hmm. I mean, that's not... So, I got you. So the era he's talking... The era Los is telling us about is pre these, like... You know what I'm saying? Like when, like, because like before, you know, um, uh, there was 
a whole lot of energy. You'll even see like Stetsa Sonic has in their music video when um, they go up the steps that that's on talking all that jazz when mm-hmm. the reporter asks them questions mm-hmm. and uh, they they was fighting on the legal battles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, Daddy O. Yeah, Daddy O and all them. And then who else had like legal battles around these things? Like so Luke, many Luke, rappers Luke, did. Luke, Luke, Luke was the he, major oh, I one. I thought he yeah. was like the one who really paved he, the way. This was yeah. later. Luke was later though. But I'm with you. Los okay. is like kind mm-hmm. of this is this is there's like an er, the era Los is telling us about is pre Luke winning. Yeah. Understood. Yep. And once Luke won, then the, that's when the sticker became like, okay. That will create your success. Oh yeah, it's, so, it's like a stamp of you know. Oh, everybody's oh, going. Oh, it's 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 explosives on here. Oh, I'm buying this. Yeah, <laughs> you know but, what I'm saying. But pre that era, it was oh, if this sticker's on here, less people can buy your record. Mm-hmm. You get it? Yeah. yeah. And so that's what his dad is like. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to stop the money. Don't right. stop the bag. Not, not only that, <laughs> the radio. He's, mm, he's, right, right, right. He, they wouldn't have played he, it on the radio he said, back then. He said the radio was the vehicle for everything. Mm-hmm. He said we're a small company and we're just starting out. He said I don't need no roadblocks trying to get y'all on the air. And the reason that um, that's important now for folks to understand because it's probably difficult for folks that are under the age of 30 are mm-hmm. thinking like, what does that have to do with anything? Mm-hmm. But back then, the radio would not play your record mm-hmm. if you had certain language. It wasn't edited yep. in it. Yeah. It wasn't, there, wasn't, there was pre. They didn't. People didn't turn in. They didn't accept music. They didn't accept music that had explicit explicit lyrics. Mm-hmm. So you had to make a rate. Nowadays, a radio edit is like two minutes instead of three minutes, right? Mm-hmm. But back then, a radio edit was a clean was your clean version that you could play, right? Like, mm-hmm. but and also, and also edited down and mm-hmm. not 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 the fifteen minute dance right. track, but so. Back then, the radio would not accept the record. They're, now, the bleeping thing came after the legal battles were won and after the censorship battles were won. So that whole bleeping thing was a 90s thing. Mm-hmm. We're still in the 80s right now. Right. This is just for folks who don't, who mm-hmm. are not, who are a little younger. Right, right. No, I, expl- you know I understand saying? the explanation. Yeah, this, is just, mm-hmm. this is just for folks who are a little younger, like, what does that have to do with right. anything? Right, 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 right. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. Okay, because like, like Britney's only 28, so. Right. Just so, you know, so, so y'all, so, you know, so that generation can be like, oh, wow. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I saw this, you know, the sticker for me didn't mean, just meant, you know, it was explicit and. It's funny you say that. Like as a kid, I'm like, "What's well, on here?" Like, let me. Right. See. It wasn't. <laughs> right, it wasn't, right. It was a. It was a mark for my mom to know. I couldn't listen to it. It was a mark for me to see what yeah. I could yeah. do to listen to it. Right. So. Yeah. Right. You go mm-hmm. sneak and listen. I didn't. Mm-hmm. It, I didn't. it created interest. But that's mm-hmm. interesting, though. That um, you had they had to think like that. Music executives, yeah. executives mm-hmm. had to think and move yep. a certain way. I mean, they still do. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, but. Just now it's the thought, reverse. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Right. Yeah. You know, I, and I, I was you know, like, hey, we need you to say these words. At, at, at the time, <laughs> at, at the time when my dad was telling us that we couldn't curse and, and all of this stuff, you know, we yeah, we were in opposition to that. You know, we like, man, that ain't cool. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that he, he did that because... And he's your dad. Yeah. It's he's not always... Like he was, it, you know, some... Shiesty <laughs> Yeah I'm, I'm glad though like, now. You wanna cuss? You wanna drink too? Right, 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 right <laughs> Our, Yeah, you're right he, You know, cause he was 
I remember when he discovered one of my little mixes that I had with NWA on it. He said, "This is what you listening to now, huh?" With all, and they had all the cuss words on it. I said, "I said, yeah, this is what everybody listen to, man." He's mm-hmm. like, he said, "Okay." You know what I'm saying, but he didn't. He didn't say I couldn't or nothing like that. But he just it just let him know that you know I, he couldn't shelter me from that mm. forever. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But um, it's funny just looking at you because I got a, a a brief. He was your dad was here doing an interview with Kari, mm-hmm. and I was waiting for Piper to come one day. This was like two weeks ago or even last week. Mm-hmm. And just looking at you, you look so much like him. Yeah, yeah. I look like that guy. Real. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's wow. my homie. He got a bigger nose than me, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> that's my dad, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much. Well, that part. So then, so y'all, um, you know, you, you you're doing pretty good. You got your records going. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, because a lot of at that time too, just to be super transparent, not like it's so different now, and not like it's ever been so different, but you know, in the music business. There's always been like the one hit wonder mm-hmm. or like you have some success, it's pretty successful. And then it's like... Your legacy is just, that... Okay, whatever. But right. from there, mm-hmm. like how does that transcend into like being a career? Like like a, like a long t- longer term type of thing. Mm-hmm. Not just like... Because the age you were, because mm-hmm. album, you're same age. You're a teenager. Mm-hmm. So any average teenager... 17,000 units out the trunk, you you know, mm-hmm. you already was backstage pass with the girls and everything mm-hmm. from a kid. Like, yep, yeah. You you know, a lot of people would have just been like, I'm cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, how were you able to like, well, it's a couple questions, like have that stamina, because it takes stamina. Mm-hmm. And then it's not like every single thing you do is going to be like, 17,000 units out the trunk. By no means. And then, you know, so there has to be a level of like consistency and resilience and hopefulness. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That you carry for you to be like, okay, that project was successful. I do the next project or next couple of projects and they're not as successful, but I want to keep doing this thing. And then later you do more projects that are successful. So, cause you know, with artists and everything, sometimes mm. they get discouraged. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to draw oh, yeah. the story yeah. of like what helped you to like have some success, then, then try, then try to do the same thing and then not have the success and then keep that going to move forward to the point where it's a, it's a practice that's bringing you more consistent success. You know what I'm saying? Because you, because that's kind of, it's kind of hard as an artist, right? Yeah. To go to go from like this one thing, and it, it it can feel very discouraging for things not to, you know, always be that way. And then, but then for you to still put the same level of effort, and 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 then later it comes back to you, but. It's that middle part. It's almost like trying to grow your dreads out, mm. and it's like it's like that middle part where it's like they look kind of strange, and you just gotta get through but, it until right. they get to that good length. Yeah. And so I'm gonna just like kind of you know what I'm saying, like help I, help the person or the people or the groups or the whoever is out there that's like kind of struggling with like their artistry and wants to take this seriously. Like, what was your process? to like do this as a professional and put the same level of effort into it again and again and again. The, the key word is passion. Mm. Um, to me, the, the, the greatest energy in the universe is love. Mm. So that goes 
that that's that's in everything. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You know, the creator created the universe and us and all of that out of love, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you love doing something, you won't quit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You mm-hmm. won't quit. You have passion for it. You you no matter how much money you you get from it. Because see, me, I balance it with my spirituality. Like I'm not, I'm not a I don't I don't I don't worship money. I know I mm. use, I I need it to sustain and maintain within this system that we're in. Mm-hmm. But I don't worship it. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? So I don't do things just to get money. Mm-hmm. I do it because I love doing it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And the money will come. It'll mm-hmm. come it may come in big uh increments, it may come in small increments, but mm-hmm. if you ain't pressed about it, you know, you you just Keep doing stuff, and the more stuff you do, and the more energy, and the more love that you put into stuff, it'll mm-hmm. come back. I got money all over the the internet from that album that we're talking about that mm-hmm. we haven't even got went and got gotten yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> from eBay and all, and Amazon and all. You know what I'm saying? That stuff is being so. Me and my dad talk about. It. I'm like, Dad, mm-hmm. you got to be the spearhead to go get this money if you want to go get it. He's like, mm-hmm. Yeah. He like, you know, but you know that pull you back into the old stuff. He said, maybe one day I'll do it. I don't know. I don't know. And so mm-hmm. we just we just leave it at that. But it's money's mm-hmm. we we could be well set with mm-hmm. some of the monies. They selling our album over in Japan for like a hundred dollars a copy. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So we not pressed for the money mm-hmm. because that's not if you know my dad, what yeah. you do, he he's not pressed for money. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's not rich or none of that, but he his his passion. He's his never passion is the music. His passion is music. He mm-hmm. plays with the four tops now. He's always he don't work a nine to five. He don't do none of that. He just his music. You yeah, see what I'm saying? Yeah. So um um that's what kept me going and just being creative. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I love to create. Mm-hmm. And so that ain't gonna never end. You know. So I, how is it though? Because and I'm I'm only asking you this because I'm the same way. But mm-hmm. you know, just for people to hear it out of your mouth, mm-hmm. like how is it that like for you to, you know, because like when you're a creative person, you know, um, sometimes you go through these kind of like bouts of self-doubt as you're creating, you know what I'm saying? Or these bouts of like, that wasn't as good as the last thing I did. Yeah, you're your worst critic. How do you, how do you, how do you personally like push through that process to get to the other side of like, this is hot? Make something else. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. that's my remedy. If I don't like what I did, I don't I'll, like me. I make a lot of beats. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. Every time I make a beat, I'll be like, "Yeah, this is cool. I like this, but mm-hmm. I ain't at Dr. Dre's le- level." Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or mm-hmm. Just Blaze. You know what I'm saying? Like I got my people that I look at. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to get to that level. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's inspiration for me. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I just, I just. You know, and that part, right, that Piper is talking about, and that you that you're talk, that you're kind of giving us detail on, mm-hmm. is the hardest part. Like where you have this self doubt, like, oh my god, like this was no, you have that criticism, like this wasn't good, or this wasn't what I envisioned. If I envisioned a hundred, I, I got fifty. Like that part being right there in that moment and being like, okay, I'm gonna keep going, like I'm gonna continue to stay in the water until it finally heats up. Just, like, just that is. Tell yourself that you are a uh, eternal student, mm. and you know all you do is when 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 something doesn't go like you planned it or whatever, just learn from what why it didn't happen that way. You know what I'm saying? Maybe you didn't have like I've put out project, projects before and they haven't taken off, but they people like what it what it is. You know the people who are exposed to it, they're like, man, I like this stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, 
it hasn't been exposed to every, everybody like it should be. It's, mm-hmm. it's not on all of the platforms that it should be. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what I'm saying? So you don't know how big your audience could be if it's not exposed to everybody. Mm-hmm. You you might be beating yourself up about the success of something. And shoot, a lot of people may not just, they just didn't hear it yet. Or they, you know, they don't know what it is. Or, you know, they haven't been exposed to it. So that could be it. Um, I don't really look at numbers either. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like I, people put a, a huge emphasis on Numbers, mm-hmm. you know, when a movie comes out on the news, they'll say mm-hmm. it did it it didn't it didn't do well. It only did five million. Right, like that's success. What do you mean? Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Especially, if I, especially in rap, like hip hop now, like mm-hmm. they judge so much. I can see with like the NBA, like you look at your favorite player and they'd be like, oh, he didn't win no titles, or and then they cut some player slack. But it's horrible in rap. Like oh, even rappers say it, like, oh, I sold this amount, and it's like, dude, like. I still didn't feel no soul in that. Like, right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? So, so what... what it, the, like, Piper says, it's like people's different perspectives of value. Like, mm-hmm. as long as you are aligned with someone's pers- uh, perspectives of value that matches yours, that's what you should, you know, really look at. Yeah. And, and Brittany makes beats. Oh, that's dope. Mm-hmm. I, <laughs> she well, she played them. me her beats that she made. I got to hear well, some of them. I don't make beats, but I, for a hobby, like, will rap a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's passion. You anything you do, I, I should love, play him your music. I'll, yeah. Do you like currency? What is it? Currency rapper, rapper currency. Oh yeah, yeah. Currency mm-hmm. dope. Yeah. I'll play you something. Well, you know, like I, that's not to digress too much, but you guys can both to attest to this because you're both creative people. You know, mm-hmm. like I feel like I have like a million things that I want to do, and like mm-hmm. now I'm at the point where I have to like really pick these few things and. And complete. I'm in the completion mode in my okay. life. Like, okay. So I'm going to get to like, my, you know, the music and music is a part, you know, like I told you guys before we got on air, like you guys are the hip hop generation. So mm-hmm. like I I am birthed, birthed from you guys. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? So it's in my veins. So, you know, just like anybody else, like, of course I've rapped. Of course I've been a rapper. Of course I've had rap names. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's a part of me, but it's not, you know, I have to complete some other things before I really dive into Dude, doing just before I look up and I I got all this stuff open, open files. Right, know? right. Don't nobody want no 30, I'm 28 now, don't nobody want no 32 row with open files. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> you know. You never know. Yeah, it's a, it's a market for everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's what's up. So then, um, so what's interesting to me too is that, so the way that I became introduced to you was through 5e gallery mm-hmm. and you were a major part of 5e gallery like it's success um and people i bring on here like usually right like yeah. dj los that's my favorite place i've never been to wow <laughs> wow so. I, was, I was johnny come lately to that place too but when not I, really yeah i was because you guys so. you guys were in operation for at least a year or two before i got yeah, over there like a year yeah, mm-hmm. but I when I when I got there, oh and, and I, I give that credit to my brother DJ Dez. Shout out mm-hmm. to DJ Dez. Shout out to DJ Dez. He, he told me that they had a, a DJ dojo, and he said, "Los, you still be cutting like you used to, right?" I mm-hmm. said, "Yeah, man. What you talking about?" He's like, "He's <laughs> like, well, they got this. You know, I want you to come with me, man. These guys over here, you know, they they you know everybody got these new styles of scratching, you know, this crabbing and all of that." He said, "But I need they ain't funky enough." I need somebody to come and help me with the funk side, you know, mm-hmm. show them how we get down with the funky scratches. Mm-hmm. I said, for sure, let's go. So I got over there and saw what it was. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, man. And I've, I've been a fan ever since. 
Yeah, and for those who hadn't heard like past episodes, it was a hip hop art gallery and performance space, multidisciplinary space, and we had different types of hip hop events that represented like all the elements of hip hop. And we had a hip hop night, uh, a DJ night rather that mm-hmm. Los is talking about called mm-hmm. the Dojo, mm-hmm. where all the DJs would come and they would just scratch for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> yep. And trade and trade skills. Yep. It was super interesting. But yeah, so um. Shout out to DJ Sakari too. Shout out to DJ yeah, Sakari yeah. for that. And um and DJ Dez um would kill me for saying this, but just you know I, I got to do it, Dez, because this is how people know <laughs> was a part of Slum Village. Yeah. Mm. So um but he's Dez Andres, mm-hmm. so got to keep that because yep. otherwise he'll slip my throat. <laughs> he's Dez Andres, makes music, music producer, DJ, all that. Yep. So um yeah, so the the way that I you know, became in contact with you was through, you know, doing stuff at 5e mm-hmm. and then learning that that was you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That was the DJ Los that I was listening to growing up, which is interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, just seeing you like interact with the youth and teach and just be an important part of the space and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, really for me, like, you know what I'm saying is like... um you know, the, one of the reasons that I that I always love you because you're such love a you back. you're such a giver. You know what I'm saying? You're just giving, giving, giving. But um, so yeah. So tell us how you uh, like come give us a little bit more like about the the young professional DJ Lowe's, like a little bit more of that history, like groups you work with, or records mm-hmm. you made, like mm-hmm. before the hip hop shop. Okay, you said still before the well, yeah. basically everything that we talked about was prior um mm-hmm. to the hip hop shop. Yeah. Yep. But when the hip hop shop emerged, I live right like right around a block from that mm-hmm. that place, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I used to go periodically. This is during the period of time where um uh my partner, uh Easy B had gotten gotten into some uh trouble and mm-hmm. he got incarcerated. Mm-hmm. So, I was kind of left out by myself, you know, I didn't know mm-hmm. what to do with my career. And so the hip hop shop emerged, right? Mm-hmm. So I used to go up there period periodically, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I knew Dez prior to the hip hop shop, and mm-hmm. you know certain certain people, Lin Swan, DJ Lin Swan, yeah, legendary, Shotgun, all of those mm-hmm. guys. Those mm-hmm. those are all my buddies. Uh, I didn't know Head that well back then. You know, we mm-hmm. we 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 formed an alliance later on in in uh, in our careers. Mm-hmm. But so I would go to the hip hop shop, and uh, that's where I you know I met Eminem. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw how he was he was bodying people, you know, mm-hmm. regardless of who whoever you know. All my friends, a couple of my friends, would be like, oh, he wasn't murking nobody. I'm like, yeah, I remember, bro. Mm-hmm. I know, I know exactly who he was murking. So, mm-hmm. oh, um, that's funny. <laughs> so, so, um, uh, I, I remember getting into arguments with a couple of people saying, you know, like that guy, he, man, he, he incredible, man. They like, man, you just saying that because he white. I'm like, no, bro, this dude has got some extra talent, you mm-hmm. know. So um, I remember uh, meeting Dilla, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? I got stories with Dilla. Uh, I met Dilla. Uh, actually, I met him the first time over at Dez's house going mm. to, going to um, drop something off for Dez, like like uh, some records or get some records from him or something like that. And Dilla was walking across his lawn going into his house. And um, that's, this is the only conversation I ever had with Jay Dilla. Mm-hmm. He, he was like... Um, He's like, Los, what's up, man? 
he was smiling. He shook my hand. I was happy that he knew who I was because, mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, I had heard about this legendary dude on the uh, east side of Detroit, mm-hmm. on the east side of Seven Mile and Conant mm-hmm. Gardens, making these beats, but his name was John Doe back mm-hmm. then. It wasn't mm-hmm. Jay Dilla. It was John Doe. Mm-hmm. And I was like, um, you know, I, I had heard his name so many times, but, you know, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't know him, know him. Mm-hmm. But he was like, man, I heard some of your beats, man. Dez played me some of your beats. I said, oh, yeah? He said, yeah, man, that one track you got with uh, the interference, man, you mm-hmm. sampled, it's called Clearance, uh, I got the clearance to run the interference. He's like, you sampled the bass note from Tribe Called Quest bugging out. You sampled mm-hmm. the snare from the, I mean, he dissected my beat in front of my face mm-hmm. in less than two minutes, mm-hmm. everything that I had used. He's like, you got those drums from the weather report. Mm-hmm. And, this, and I'm like, Wow, I was like, how you, how you, how you pick all? You know every sample that I use. He Record said, knowledge. didn't it feel like somebody put like a thousand dollars in your pocket after that? He's yep. He was like, he said, man, I'll be digging in the crates too, mm-hmm. and I'll re- I'll remember that forever. You know what I'm saying? That Jay Dilla gave me a compliment on one of my beats, and he mm-hmm. was able to huge. Yeah, and that's like the only conversation I've had with mm-hmm. him. You know, at the hip hop shop, I might have said, "What's up?" Like one of these, you know, mm-hmm. like nod my head or something like that. But for him to know my work back then. How yeah. big was Shouts the hip- out to Jay Dilla. For Shouts sure. out. Mm-hmm. How For big sh- was the hip hop shop? Like that's another space I've never seen. Like, is this is uh, it big? Was it small? It's still in existence. It's it's not called a hip hop shop anymore. They they reopened it uh, uh, for a brief period uh, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Um, it's not that big. It's, it's maybe a, a thousand square feet or okay. eight hundred square feet. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Like okay. It's just. It's nostalgic mm-hmm. because of the groups that came from there. Slum Village, Eminem, you Just know. Just trying to get the imagery of the place. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. walk in. Oh, I guess I can still go in there. As you guys are saying. Yeah, it's yeah. very different, though. It's different. It's it's the new wave of, okay. uh, you know, the new new the kids is in there spitting and stuff like that. And they make a lot of the trap music and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? It's a totally different vibe than when, when we were in there. Mm-hmm. And so um, I used to go to the hip-hop shop, but I was not a regular. Okay, mm-hmm. I was not a regular. I would pop in here and there, and the reason that was was because I knew that Dilla was doing everybody's beats. Okay, <laughs> and I said, I said, man, Dilla, I like Dilla stuff, man, but it sounds like Tribe Called Quest to me. That's funny. Okay, do you know, do y'all know why that's funny? <laughs> yeah, I, I already know why. <laughs> <laughs> tell me why. You, because tell me why. because Dilla is pretty much responsible for a Tribe Called Quest sound, other than Q Tip. Oh, but but I did not know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. There's re- but see, Dilla's song is different to me than Tribe Called Quest, but I can see the comparison and the connection, so I'm not dismissive well, towards that. Well, but it's still no, a little different. Shout out to Q-Tip though. Q-Tip was yeah. dope. He a dope producer. Uh, yeah. Ali Shaheed Muhammad, all of them, yeah. they all was dope. But, yeah. but, but when Dilla got there, yeah, it was it changed the, the yeah, sound. Yeah, it changed it. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, same thing with like De La Soul and mm-hmm. all. all Dilla influenced a lot of those groups. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He's responsible for the funkier stuff that came from those groups. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, and you know, no, I don't want to diss Q-Tip because Q, even Q-Tip will say mm-hmm. that you know, like when Dilla came in, it just changed everything. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because he knows. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So there's a reason why he he scooped him up from here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? He mm-hmm. came and got him. He's like, oh, this guy is incredible. I gotta mm-hmm. get him. He gotta be a part of our crew. So. Um, uh, I lost my train of thought. Well, you were telling us about hip hop shop and going there, and everybody was making Dilla. I mean, Dilla was making everybody's oh, beat. That's what it was. Yep. Mm-hmm. So and they said, you said it sounded like Tribe Called Quest. It sounded like Tribe Called Quest. So I was like, I was like, you know, it sounded like Tribe. You know, and I'm not really on that vibe. I got a couple of tracks that might sound similar to that, but I'm like, you know, 
a lot of my stuff is like West Coast. You know, I, I incorporate the funk and my dad's hand claps. I sampled those and, you know what I'm saying? My stuff was more of a, like a EPMD, Eric Sermon type of production. Deeper. So like it hit you like... Yeah, it, it's kind of like it was right in your mouth. It was like, and then it was like West Coast a lot mm-hmm. because you know we we what we consider. See, it's it's crazy. I'm getting jumbled up here, but they 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 dedicate a certain sound to the West Coast, but mm-hmm. the West Coast sound is a Detroit sound. It's a Detroit sound, okay? It's that Detroit funk. Yeah, to this day, everything mm-hmm. everything that they that we attribute. A tribute to being West Coast sound mm-hmm. is really Detroit. Yeah, you know what right. I'm saying. Dr. Dre had yeah. G funk, but mm-hmm. well, well, where did he get that idea from? Mm-hmm. P funk. Mm-hmm. P funk came from Detroit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's George Clinton. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, and then like I said, EPMD, Eric Sermon, they known for sampling more bounce to the ounce, which that's Roger Troutman, that's Midwest, that's my dad, that's mm-hmm. Roger and them. They created that here. So we influenced the whole world. With a sound, but we don't claim it as our own. You know what I'm saying? We give right. everybody else the credit, but the people who create it, they know. Like Dr. Dre, he knows. Mm-hmm. That's why I went in, in Dre Day, he opens his shirt up and he got on the Funkadelic shirt because, mm-hmm. you know, he like, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I, he's even playing the, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, 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 the knee deep bass line mm-hmm. is, on, is in there. It's on uh, Dre Day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they give homage in their, their small increments, you know, but, you know, that's. That's pretty much it. With so, that. did you mm-hmm. did you produce music and DJ simultaneously? Yes, um, I produced a couple of tracks on uh, our first album, the one that my dad, oh, wow. my yeah, my dad did most of the pro- drum programming, but I did like a about maybe three three beats because I was just learning how to make mm-hmm. make beats. So he allowed me to create songs, me and Easy B to create songs that he put on the album. Mm-hmm. So that was my first taste. Of um of being a producer, mm-hmm. then um later after all of that stuff, you know, like after the the hip hop shop and things of that nature, um my dad ended up landing his career in with Death Row Records, and my uncle Tony Green. They Shout were all, out to Tony Green. Yeah, they were all legendary legendary musician. bass player. Mm-hmm. Bass player. He played on a uh, a lot of Warren G's music, a lot of Dr. Dre's music. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, Indo Smoke uh, by Mr. Grimm and Warren mm-hmm. G. He, that's my Uncle Tony playing the bass line on there. So he was out there first. Uh, he had landed uh, his career out there playing with Death Row. And so when he talked to Dr. Dre about certain sounds that he heard in the Parliament music, he's like, what's this noise? And what's that noise I hear, Tony? What is that? He said, oh, that's my, that's my buddy. That's Carl Butch Small. Which happened to be my dad, mm-hmm. and uh, he said, I, "I can get in touch with that guy. You know what I'm saying? And we can fly him out here. He can he can play percussion on your stuff." <laughs> so, during the process of my dad and my uncle Tony being out there, well, before my dad even got there, Uncle Tony came in town, and I had a cassette tape in my car full of beats. And uh, I said, "Uncle Tony, you work with Dr. Dre now?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "When are you gonna be with him again, man?" <laughs> he said, "I'm gonna be." I'm gonna be out there um uh, tomorrow. I fly out tomorrow. I said, Man, I don't have nothing to give you. I got this one tape in my car, in my cassette deck in my car. I'll be right back. Went and got it, gave it to him. I said, Man, please go play this for Dr. Dre. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Play this for Dre. Let him know it's a young cat here that that look up to him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And uh he said, oh, okay, all right, nephew, I'll do that. He goes out to California and 
you know, some time goes by, maybe about two or three weeks. Then he calls me up. He said, hello, so I want to let you hear something. So he lets me hear this guy rapping over my beat. I'm like, oh, that's cool. He said, this guy's name is Makantu. He said he went to school with you. He said, it's crazy how, he said, I gave him a, a cassette of like 30 tracks. Not just your beats, other people's beats. And he ended up picking yours. And I told him who made the beat. He said, I know DJ Los from back in the day. Mm-hmm. He said, um, we went to school together. We went to Henry Ford together. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And I, so he said he picked the beat and he wanted to rap on it. So I said, okay, that's cool. That's all right. I don't know who he is, but tell him I said, what's up? You know, mm-hmm. he said, not only that, it's going on to going on a soundtrack to a movie. I said, what? He said, yeah, Death Row is getting ready to put out a record. Everybody put out a, a soundtrack to a movie um, called Above the Rim. You know that movie, Brittany? Okay. So. Legendary movie now, legendary hip-hop movie now. Yeah. So he, Huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was like, you know, um, uh, don't worry about it. Mr. Maxi, your manager, he's getting, he's drawing up the paperwork now so that you get your royalties and everything from it. So you don't have nothing to worry about there. You know what I'm saying? I said, but, well, let me let me fix the beat. The beat was half done, man. And I gave it to you on a cassette tape. I That's said, how did funny. they how did they take it off the cassette tape? He said, well, Dre took it in the studio and beefed it up through the SSL. I said, Dr. Dre heard my beat, man. He, so he said he, he said he loved it. He said he said it's going on the soundtrack. Mm. I said, what? That is love. Yeah. So, you know, that's wow. so that was another uh like, you know, I guess you could call it a pillar in my my mm-hmm. career. In my career and mm-hmm. you know, I got my plaque from it and continue wow. to get my royalties from it and stuff like that. Those mouths so cool. don't get fed. The fact that you yeah. put your stuff out there. Yeah. Man, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. yep. that's another step a lot of people people and, and, create and, it and then people and, like, I don't know, like I don't know. I, should, I don't want to seem like it. this. I don't yeah. want to seem mm-hmm. like that. Confidence is everything. You know, I learned that. You know, I used to be have a lot of stage fright. I still do sometimes. You know what I'm saying? I get the jitters because you're dealing with a computer and you're like, man, hopefully hope this computer don't break down in front of I'm gonna look like a bumbling idiot on stage. <laughs> you know, so you got a little bit of that going on. But as I get older, I've learned to take advantage of opportunities. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And 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 realize that uh nepotism runs the world. Yeah. So a lot of times you can have talent, but it's about who you know. A lot of times, so mm-hmm. don't hesitate to ask somebody that you're close to to help you in a certain way or mm-hmm. what you know what I'm saying? Because that's what I do. I'll be like, hey man, look, you got this connection. Can you do this for me? Mm. Yeah, you know, it, you can't hurt asking. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. it's not gonna hurt you. You know what I'm saying? You know, you, you depend on the individual you asking. You know, they could be right, right, right. It could be a butthole, or whatever. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But you know, um, at least you ask. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. I knew my uncle loved me, so I knew that when, when I gave him the tape, you, he was he, gonna do something. Yeah, right. do something yeah, right yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I ain't had no doubt in my mind he wasn't gonna try to do. He's always done that. He's mm-hmm. always tried to make something happen. It, mm-hmm. the, you know, the business sometimes might not be as great as it should be, mm-hmm. but he's always loved my creation enough to take it to the next level mm-hmm. and try to try to turn it into something. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. So, okay, now. Talk a little bit about, um, so when we think about like Detroit hip hop, a lot of times there's like a certain, is it like a certain couple of people that we think about? But you, you've been mm-hmm. you've been able to work with so many people that mm-hmm. you can give us all these other people outside of like the two or three people that people always talk about when they talk about Detroit hip hop. Mm-hmm. 
Can you give us some of that like richness of Detroit hip hop? And even maybe it could be people that you've worked with or, you know, just people that that need to be included in the pantheon, if you will. Oh, man, there's so many people. (laughs) I'm going to leave some people all the But one of my favorite groups here uh, uh, from the old school that don't get enough recognition is uh, the Almighty Dreadnoughts. Yeah. Shouts out to the Dreadnoughts. Almighty Dreadnoughts. Yeah. Mm Got to look them up. And so if anybody's familiar with Guilty Simpson, Mm -hmm. Guilty is like... The He's ma- on the Dilla pantheon, right? He mm-hmm. he he he, uh, he dropped vocals on a lot of Dilla tracks back in the day, mm-hmm. and uh, he was real good friends with Dilla. Super MC, yep. Super MC, Alias P Knuckle, mm-hmm. Slaughter, Diffusion. It's so many of them. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Cautious, it, it, and I can I can't think of everybody at the it's moment. Like Detroit Wu Tang, exactly. Of. That's mm-hmm. what I was getting ready to say. They like the Wu Tang Clan of Detroit, and they're they're like uh. They're just like, they're a pillar here. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And, they, and they're and they spread out everywhere in, in hip-hop. Aren't you a dreadnought? Yeah, I'm the DJ. Okay, yeah, I'm, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm the DJ Thanks for the... Thanks, Piper, for telling us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm the DJ for the Almighty Dreadnoughts. But I'm I'm the, I'm the Johnny Come Lately with that. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. I was I was not... Part of the original. No, I was... Yeah, I'm with I was, you. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was not there, but... Um, shout out to my boy, Alias Pinochle and Slaughter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When, when those guys, they, they formed a, like a subgroup out of the Dreadnoughts called uh, A-R-E-S. Mm-hmm. It stands for uh, A Red Eye Smoking. <laughs> and, and and they they approached me one night. I said, man, y'all dope, man. You know, uh, I said, I said, if y'all ever need somebody to cut on some stuff, let me know. So they took that, and the next day they called me. They said, man, wow. you know that? We're going to take you up on that offer, man, that mm-hmm. you about cutting for us. And he said, but we're going to take it further. We want you to be in the group, and we want you to produce all our music. Mm. And I was like, "Really?" I was, they was like, "Yeah, you know, let's 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 try and create a project. Let's do that." So we dropped one project uh, called I Formation, um, like a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. and um, it did. Was work. that twenty twelve? Hmm? Was that twenty twelve? I want to say twelve. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we got another one in the process now. We we wrapping it up now. We in mixing. Uh, mm-hmm. So I did all of the tracks on there. It's like. I think 18 tracks on that album, and it's like 18 on this one. I did all the beats. So mm. can I ask you a question, a technical mm. question? So the like, if you scratch on a, on a record, like so they rap over it, then they play it for you, and then they record you scratching over the original record? How does that even work? Like when, like for instance, like a song where like where there's scratching going on, like, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, I know the sound. Yeah. So how does that happen? Like, how do you do that? Okay, I'll give you an example. There's a song out right now. Um, shout out to my boy Apollo Brown. Oh my God, Apollo Brown. Amazing music producer. Yep. Mellow so, music. So Apollo hit me up and was like, Los, I need it's it's overdue, man. I need you to cut on some of my my production. I said, Okay. And he said, um, I said, just you know, we never worked together or nothing like that. He said, I'm gonna send you the track. And, you know, I'm going to send you a sound bite of what I think I want you to scratch on. Um, he said, because I don't really know. He said, if you think of something, you know, you can, you know, you can try something new or whatever, but I'm going to send you a sound bite, you know. He said, but, uh, and I think the guy who's going to rap on it is uh, Joel Ortiz mm. from Slaughterhouse. I said, oh, snap, that's what's up. I said, Joel, that's my boy. I said, I did a show with him, man, him and Royce and everybody uh, last year we flew to uh, Chicago, and I was supposed to be. They were talking about me being a DJ for the for Slaughterhouse, 
but that's when the whole Joe Budden thing happened, and he went his separate way, and then the the group just disbanded. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So I'm like, I was really looking forward to that. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. you know, Slaughterhouse, they like lyrical. Mm-hmm. You know, that's real hip hop right there. Mm-hmm. Ray Kwan in the group? No, no, Ray Kwan. Mm-hmm. No, that's oh, Wu Tang. Yeah. No, no, but it was. Who am I thinking about that was in there? Crooked Eye, Crooked Eye, uh, Royce the Five Joel Nine, Joe Ortiz. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, nobody from and Joe Buttons. Was, no, no. Okay, I'm tripping. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was looking forward to that, but it didn't happen. But so, but we had had developed a real good rapport mm-hmm. from them two days or that day or so. We were with, with each other, you That's, know what I'm saying. And so for me to for him to call me, it came back to me. You know, Apollo was like, "Man, I want you to cut on this song," and and Joel Ortiz. It's gonna be on the song. I was like, "Oh snap!" So now, right, right now, as we speak, that song is being played everywhere. It, mm-hmm. and on Shade Forty Five, and you know, it says uh, it's called "The Grace of God," uh, featuring DJ Los. You know what I'm saying? Me, me, and Royce the Five Nine are only two features on the album. Wow. So that's like a good look for me. You know what I'm saying? So, um, like I said, he sent me the track without Joel on it. It was an mm-hmm. instrumental, and so I put the cuts down, and then. Uh, Sent them back to him, and he placed the scratches where he wanted to put them in the song. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. so he sent you the record clean, then you scratched it, then mm-hmm. he put where he wanted the scratches back into the record. Yeah, you That's can move them around. Say, say Joe Ortiz, say, uh, uh, the guy he'll be, he'll be like, uh, Los is scratching too early. I don't want to. Uh, I want my verse to be uh, twenty four bars instead of sixteen bars, and he's scratching at sixteen bars. So uh, Apollo was able to move that part where I'm scratching further down on the song mm-hmm. so that Joel will have that room to, to say his lyrics. Gotcha. So, mm-hmm. you know, with, with today's technology, you can do all of that. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Mm-hmm. If it was tape back in the day, mm. you couldn't have did that. Gotcha. <laughs> you know? It would have been in, in the tape. It would wherever you cut, you scratched mm-hmm. it, that's where so it's going to stay. So it would be like, they'll be mm-hmm. like, okay, here you come. You got to go on a two-minute mark. You got five minutes of tape left. Yeah. So start here. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was totally different then. Yep, yeah. I, I, like I said, our first album it was done on real to real. It was no Pro Tools or none of that before when we did that stuff. Mm-hmm. It was no CDs, no internet, yeah, no nothing. Yeah, we didn't have CDs until yeah. I want to say ninety. I didn't really have. Well, I had CDs in the eighties, but I had CDs like eighty eight. But my mom was up on technology because she did marketing for oh. the radio station. So my mom did marketing for um ninety eight and um. And um, um, Mason, which is like a big, huge, you know, person here, oh, like yeah. DJ here. Mm-hmm. And so my R- mom radio personality. Mm-hmm. So like Kathy Hughes and all that. This is like before the, the, this is before radio was consolidated. You used to have all these different radio stations. And so you had all these different, you know, uh, markets. And so like CD was like just coming new. Mm-hmm. So... We had CDs because that was kind of like people trying to market their stuff. Mm-hmm. So my mom okay. always had, you know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. Some promo materials because people would always like have different ways that they. You said, and that was in '88. '88. I know when and I hadn't even seen that. Uh, Everybody CD. didn't have CDs. I mean, every artist. Mm-hmm. You know, like now, all artists probably have, like, you know, Spotify. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or like they have their music on Spotify. Or, or Tidal. Or, or, or Tidal or like, you know, uh, I, iTunes. Mm-hmm. Or, you know what I'm saying? They'll but, never see their music on a CD. Mm, barely, no. Right. Yeah, physical, physical copies are like rare now. 
You know, although what I'm the younger generations are starting to use those cassette tapes, but I think it's more like just for novelty. And That's all, because yeah. you can't play them nowhere. If they, I don't you know, even then, know where you can play it's hard. I mean, like I, I, I go digging. I, you know, I have a uh, my uh, my aunt gave me a a, a you know a, a vinyl, mm-hmm. and then I have a record. Yeah, and I have a a tape player, but you know, I'm not. I'd rather dig for records than dig for. Tapes. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's a better sound. Yeah. Tapes tapes is just a lot. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you got to have... It's a cool thing. And they break. I'm into... I think think that concept of technology is really... Our concept on how we treat... The humans treat technology is the issue. Mm -hmm. Technology, to me, should... We should get to a point where we have a place to use everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think people try to teach technology like, okay, it's old now. Like, just like everything, right? Everything. They do everything So I'm not dissing... Tapes, like I think it has a place, but mm-hmm. for me, where I'm at, I would rather listen to it on, you know, digitally mm-hmm. or listen to it on a vinyl. You know, get that sound. But right, the sound right. is different on a record mm-hmm. than a than a tape. Yeah, yeah. Tape is a flat. Tape is like taking all of the sounds and then like putting on the same it. surface. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a record has like grooves and surfaces and. There's a richer sound that's in the grooves of the record mm-hmm. itself. Mm-hmm. So even just that physical thing is it makes a difference. Yeah. Got you. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, so that so that I get. And it's more warm. The record. I think yeah. From what you I like think a- so. analog analog is a warmer sound mm-hmm. period. Um but I mean even tapes they they were they were analog too, but the um the difference with tape is you got a lot of hiss. The high end, high fidelity hiss when you play a tape, you hear this mm-hmm. in the background. It's more, and it's it's so much more maintenance on that uh, on a cassette. Yeah, you gotta yeah. be careful. Yeah, <laughs> you do gotta be careful <laughs> that they snap. You done. Oh yeah, or you you use your old school skills like you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. My tapes used to bust. They used mm-hmm. to snap on me. Oh yeah. I, they had you screws go on in them. There. I, Open it oh, up. Open it up. Mm-hmm. Give me a piece of splicing tape yep. because my dad used to work at the studio, mm-hmm. so I, I knew what splicing tape was. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, this little blue tape, you can you use that for the big tapes. I'm going to use it on the small tape. Mm-hmm. And so when, when I showed him that I did that, he said, oh, yeah, you... You fixed your tape, huh? You learn it, huh? You learn when you go to the studio, huh? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I want. I bought this tape, right. and I want to keep listening to this this LL Cool J tape I got. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I ain't finna throw it in the trash. See, I didn't have splicing tape. I just used scotch tape. Yeah, I did that too. I did that too, but you know that would come off. You know what I'm saying? It would, that would come off. It gets stuck and it snap again on you. It would snap again. And, but the only unfortunate uh, thing is when where you made that splice, the the music would. That's it. Skip it's done. And skip, or you didn't hear it, or it jumped to the next. You'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. And you'd have to tell your friends, oh, that's the part where it snapped at, man. Mm-hmm. Just, just keep, keep bobbing your head. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's so hilarious. So then, um, so, you know, like P-Knuckle and all them, they used to come, even Guilty, mm-hmm. um, Shouts Out to Slaughter, Shouts Out to all of them, Paula Brown, all of them used to come through the gallery. That's how mm-hmm. I even mostly learned about Detroit hip-hop, everybody mm-hmm. coming to the gallery. Yep. Hanging out. Um and I remember, so I have a question. Did y'all group start because y'all was hanging at the gallery or y'all were just like, or that because of the because of the open mic that we did or was it just like... It was more of, that? it was more of the foundation. Mm. When you, when you were doing the foundation over at Old Miami and I used to come over there and I DJ over there mm-hmm. and uh, that's how I met P-Knuckle and, and, uh, and Slaughter and everybody 
And and then Slaughter told me, he was like, Los, we went to school together. He went to four with me too. I was mm-hmm. like, for real? He was like, I remember when your album came out, you came to school and you gave your records out to wow. everybody in the hallway. And I'm like, yeah, I did do that. He was like, yeah, man, I was proud of you then. <laughs> wow. So, so, yeah, but to take it back, yes, it was not 5e Gallery, but it was um, the, the foundation we used to yep, do. That, okay. that you were remember responsible for. Remember I told for. you the, uh, the, the all-woman open mic the we used guy, to do, the guy, but, but the guys would always come. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, so like, so remember Bryce told that story about how the fellas um, would basically hold the space? Yeah. So, like, Los was one of the DJs who would, like, teach and also hold down the space, bring the equipment, um... You know, uh, keep the vibe going, mm-hmm. like bring in celebrities, like, I mean, mm-hmm. just help <laughs> help produce the event, basically. And in addition to helping produce the event, like pretty much set the tone and like hold down like the DJ area. Mm. So like, you know, uh, we would have performances or we would have other DJs or we would mm-hmm. have like different things and like. Los would be like, we would have conversations, and I'd be like, what you think about this, Los? And Los would always be like, well, you know, this is the way that's going to work, and this is the way that's going to work. And if you want to do that, then this is what you're going to have to do. And that's a good idea. However, you might want to try to do it this way, or that's I, not I always try to be that a help. That is like the most perfect <laughs> way to give advice. Like, yep. we were, it's funny, <laughs> I feel like me and you, we were just having this conversation about something else. Like, mm-hmm. when you want somebody to have, like, you, you want somebody to have your back. Like, mm-hmm. you come to somebody and you're like, I want some advice. Like, you don't want them to try to talk you out of what you're trying to do. Like, mm-hmm. you want them to be like, okay, look, you can do it this, like what she just said, you can Options. do it this way, you can do it that way, but if you do do it this way, just look out for these things. Mm-hmm. So doing it this way, if you don't want to run into these things, might be the better way. There you like, go. Yeah. Yeah. And we would go, uh, there got That's to be a certain point where we started getting a little better. Because initially, we would mm-hmm. just, go, initially, and I have to apologize to you because I totally didn't know. Initially, mm-hmm. we would just go up to Los and be like, this is what's happening tonight. He'd be like, you know what? I wish you would have told me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's me. Or five minutes ago, and then we could have done that. But um, I'm not going to tell you that that's not what's going to happen, but I'm going to tell you that this is how that's going to happen. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, yeah. so, But then he would be like, listen, let me know what y'all going to do or what y'all want to do, and then <laughs> I can help y'all figure out how y'all going to do that. I love he was it. like, but don't come up to me. With this, like, five minutes before y'all want to do stuff, because what y'all want to do, y'all y'all don't understand that these other things need to happen for that to happen. Yep. And it was all, like, technical stuff. So I really learned most, i say, like, 90% of the technical stuff from doing the open mic with mm-hmm. Lowe's. So even working at Shane Park mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. even the other, you know, jobs that I've had, like, doing production... Like, I knew production from the photography end of stuff, but most of the sound stuff I learned just from trial and error mm-hmm. of just, like, going up to Lowe's, like, okay, well, we about to have this and that and that. <laughs> and he'll be like, not tonight. Right. he will be like, tonight, this is what you're going to do. And then later we would just, then la- then later you would come to me and be like, look, Pipe, um, if you want to do that, this is the type of amp you need. Or mm-hmm. if you want to do that, these are the type of chords you need or... Or this is what an XLR is, or 
This is, you know what I'm saying? If they're going to play the music off their phone, then you got to tell them that they got to tell people don't call them. You know what I'm saying? And, I mean, just like little simple Technical stuff. stuff right. You know what I'm saying? Um, See, we, we live. Yeah. Brought, oh, yeah, yeah. Injury uh, uh, Earth. Yeah, like, Nigeria. You, you, you brought like so much, you know, richness to that open mic experience that like elevated it to the point where it wasn't just like a regular. I mean, you and many others, like because mm-hmm. it's not just your talent, but your skill. Mm-hmm. And then Thank you were able to take that open mic and turn it into like this professional experience that like professional people could come to and feel like, okay, I feel comfortable that if I'm, you know, freestyling or just having a good time, Mm -hmm. that the sound is going to be great. You know, the microphone sounds going to be awesome. Like my levels on all my music is going to sound incredible. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be rich. It's going to have a nice bottom. You know, the highs ain't going to be squeaking. Because like with with our sound, Mm -hmm. our sound sound like, you know what I'm saying? Our sound was always great. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You guys were doing good before I even came there though. But you know, like little stuff, I've always been a help. Even today when I came in, I'm like, let me hear what's going on. Oh, okay. That sounds like this, this, that, Mm -hmm. other. I always... Try to help, mm-hmm. you know. That's mm-hmm. you know. I know some people sometimes take that the wrong way. You know, they be like, "Oh, you he think you know everything," but no, but <laughs> but that's not the intent. The intent mm-hmm. is like always for us to do better. You know what I'm saying? Or the sound. If I know I have some knowledge, I try to share it. You know, that's like paying my ties. You know what I'm saying? If I know know something that I think that somebody else may not know or they may not have that experience, I share with them what I know, and it you know it usually. I'm, I already went through what you're going through. That's why I'm mm-hmm. telling you. I'm like, I know what you're messing up on because I did the same thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. so, and then we've been talking, 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 but something I got to do before you leave here, I got to shout mm-hmm. out your daughter. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. She's a, she? she's a grown lady. <laughs> Can you believe it? This is my best friend right there. Sharia. Yeah, shout out to my how daughter. How old is she now? She's 26. Oh, my God. Yep, yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So almost like your age, y'all yeah, are close my, in age. My bracket, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She is so precious. Thank you. I remember like <laughs> I would go over Lowe's house. Mm-hmm. Why? We would be like getting equipment or oh, because I remember a lot of times, um, this was so weird. We had other DJs and Lowe's would allow the other DJs to use his equipment. Yeah. Even if he wasn't DJing. And he would come. And bring his equipment for the other DJs to use. And DJs don't do that. Yeah, no. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> DJs don't let other people use their equipment, but Los would do that. So sometimes I remember going over there and he would give me the talk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, Piper, <laughs> this is my equipment now. Now I need you to, you see this equipment right here? Now, this is my equipment that I use when I do my professional gigs. So, I don't want this to happen or that to happen. This I was, is how it... I was trying to tell you, look, I love you. I yeah. lo- I'm only doing yeah. this because I love you. Mm-hmm. But I do not pass. I do not let people borrow my equipment. And he used to let know? me get it often. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't like every week, but yeah. Let's say more often than like he anyone you, else. He let himself be a resource to you. So, yes. Like that's an understatement. 
You know what I'm mm. saying? Like to the point where not only was he bringing all the equipment every time he would come, which was pretty much weekly, mm. but then even when he couldn't come, if he had gigs or whatever, he would allow us to utilize his equipment for other people to use. But he would pull, and it was funny because he could have only gave me that talk once. Nah, <laughs> every single time he'd be like, "Okay, you're gonna come over to my house." And he would sit you sit me down and give me the talk about his equipment. <laughs> you, you, you know why I did that? Because, so I appreciate it probably. Oh yeah. So I focus. Like, don't be just. But it's the reason why. Because mm-hmm. I was defying what my dad had taught me. Oh, I was just over here. Right, 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 oh, right, right. My, okay, my, my okay. dad taught mm-hmm. me. He said, don't, don't ever, don't let people borrow your equipment. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna take care of it like you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. said they they don't understand the value of it. So. If you want to save yourself some trouble, don't let them borrow it. Mm-hmm. So, and he said, don't sell no equipment either. Because mm. you're going to regret you're gonna regret selling anything. Mm. I guarantee. Mm. And he, I did that one time. And mm. yeah, What did you sell? An 808 drum machine. Oh. And, and I was out there. Now he might, yeah. he, he'll hear this and he'll be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it was, man. Yeah, oh, it was a good man. good friend of mine, my one of my good friends. Mm. He, I let him get it for little or no money, mm. and he, he pawned it. Oh, <laughs> my God. I said, oh, my gosh. So, but anyway, I still have uh, two 808s. So okay. I, that's okay. that's the only reason why I was like, that I, I, I still, got, mm. them, still got them. But, but, but I, I didn't do what my dad told me, and so. But every time I used to come on there and borrow the equipment, your mm. daughter would be there. Okay. And, um. You know, she's so cute. She's so adorable. She's Thank so precious. And I'll have little talks with her, and she'd be like, that's my daddy. I love my daddy, the <laughs> best friend. He's this, he's that. He's amazing. And and, be, and she'll tell me, too, you better be careful with my daddy. <laughs> yeah, she's she, she protective. She's protective in her own way. Yeah. She's, before I leave out the door, she used to look at me, you know, give me that look. She was like, you better be careful with my daddy's equipment. I used to be like, yes, ma'am. Is she a musician? Does she no. sing the art? She's not she's not musically inclined. I used to try to put her on turntables and stuff like that when she mm-hmm. was a kid. I got video footage of that stuff. <laughs> like but um she's um she listens to all forms of music and she's more of a critic of it. Like I love she, that. Yeah. she she's like um like the the new rappers that come out even though they her age and stuff like that. She's like I don't listen to that stuff, dad. I listen <laughs> to maybe Kendrick a little bit, but she loves J. Cole, you okay. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So but So um, she's a real hip hop head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She kind of she knows about like I said, craft work and all those mm-hmm. techno groups back in the day. She knows who how to recognize that music. I taught her all of that stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Red Man, all the yeah. earlier hip hop. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's so precious. Yeah. yeah, so I just want to shout her out because she's so incredible. Um, and then like so, Los here mm-hmm. is also one of the um, I'll say like the foundational people that helped create um, the Dilla Youth Day. Mm. Because it's like a core, it's like a core. Uh, I, I didn't help create it. Well, the reason I want to say that is because that whole DJ station that we do, like mm-hmm. that scratching station, mm-hmm. that was your idea. Yeah. Because you were like. Yeah, you can't, You got to have the first element of hip hop if you're going to do anything, well, especially way, with Dylan. Well, I mean, the way in which we do it, right? Because uh-huh. you could have just come and just scratch and then people right. watch you scratch. Oh, yeah, no. But That's not it's like it. a salon. It's yeah. like. Hit so he brings the DJ setup, and then I mean you're still scratching like you're still performing. Not not it's almost like a performance teaching. Yeah, I do yeah. A, a a minimal of 
scratching. I show mm-hmm. them what I'm doing, but it's it's mainly I'm there for the children. So yeah. I want them to come up and do it. And it's like a whole station where they come up and listen. I don't know if people understand what this means for a DJ to let first of all other DJs use their equipment. <laughs> <laughs> but inexperienced let, kids. But <laughs> children of all ages coming up and use your equipment. For years and years and years, yep. okay, because we've been doing Dilla Youth Day now. It's about to be seven years or yep. something like that. Yep. And, you know, when 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 I first went to everybody, like, do you want to be part of Dilla Youth Day? Well, because, it, you know, all these guys, Los, everybody's so loving, Bryce, everybody. Um, it's like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's do it for the kids, you know, Cecilia. Mm-hmm. So everybody was all about the kids. Mm-hmm. And every single person, Ann Fiddler, every single person that, you know, we talked to was like, well, what's the best way to honor Dilla? So I think this is the best way to honor Dilla. So you brought that whole piece about how the DJ booth should look, how it should be, you know what I'm saying, in Mm -hmm. the space. And so we've been doing that year after year after year. And that space, that DJ space, Mm -hmm. is the most, it's a foundational piece of the event. It's the most popular space. It's the space people always talk about. And now it's evolved because before... It used to like kind of be, it's even though it's still its own separate space, but now we moved it into the rotunda mm-hmm. and it's like that with the B-Boys. Mm-hmm. And so it's like y- y'all get to go up there and like play all the music and scratch and everything and then other DJs get to come mm-hmm. and play with you and then you get to kind of concentrate on just the scratching part, mm-hmm. which you love. And yeah. the kids get to learn That's- how to scratch. And then the, the B-Boy floor is there. It's, a, it's just... It, we used to have all of that down in the same room mm-hmm. with all the workshops, but now we have the workshops and the classrooms like separate. And then that DJ space and the dance space, you know, or we call it the healthy hip-hop cypher space, like that's separate up in the rotunda. But like so many people come to me like, oh my God, that DJ and that scratching, that thing, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, was also super incredible is all the people like, DJ Head comes and mm-hmm. teaches beat making on the mm-hmm. side. And Los holds the space. You have to understand, Dilly Youth Day is usually like the whole day. So it's usually from like noon until like 8 p.m. And the Dilla Day, like for the adults, is usually like that night. Okay. So Los is also the DJ for Dilla Day. So he just there just kicking it. Like he ain't No, it. no, no. Dilla Day is like someplace else for, for adults. But I, I'm sorry. You what know, I mean yeah. is, is he's invested in the whole process. The whole yes. day. Yes. And I mean the whole day for the kids, he's there. And what time do you leave? Like 5, 30? Because the event, yeah. like that part of the event ends at like 5. And okay. then we have a little break. And then the kids perform from 6 to 8. Mm-hmm. But there's a separate adult event that's Dilla Day. That's like, mm-hmm. you know, at a club and... You know, yeah, all it was this a other dime. Stuff. It was a dime last at year. A dime, yeah. And mm-hmm. so, you know, shouts out to DJ Butter. Mm-hmm. So, Los also holds that event up. So, imagine coming. What time do y'all come? Like eight, nine in the morning, and set up. Yeah, yep. It was mm-hmm. like an all day event. Yeah. I, was, I was over at uh, Charles H. Wright. Mm-hmm. Yeah, around nine in the morning, mm-hmm. nine or ten, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And then I'm there all day with the DJ, kids kids until mm-hmm. like maybe 5 36 o'clock in the mm-hmm. afternoon and then I got to take everything down and then get over to the other venue and then DJ there uh, up until like 2 All two, night. 2 o'clock in the morning wow yeah. that is yeah. amazing yeah. i got to go on record and say that 
uh, DJing is by far my most favorite element because like it's just like that person you date and like you love and part of you loving them is that it's still still kind of like a mystery to you like you still kind of like there's always room for you to like learn more mm-hmm. it's still like the like the scientific like she said like most DJs are kind of like they have their own rhythm they got their own setup they got their own thing and you really don't get insight on what it is. Like, it's not like rap, like you're a rapper or a mu- like a, a musician where you can kind of like trace it. It's mm-hmm. so hard to trace what a DJ does. And like yeah. the scratching part, me and Piper talked about before, is like the part like you're not just putting on records and like, you know, right. filling out the crowd. Like you are within the music too. Like, right. mm-hmm. oh my God, it's so many la- layers yeah, it's DJ. like a, it's like a, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm emulating my dad. That's what I look at it as. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad is a percussionist. So when mm-hmm. I scratch, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm adding percussion to yeah. whatever is there, but yeah. in my, in my own way, because mm-hmm. I inherited my dad's rhythm. So I just, I just utilize it in a different manner. That's all. Dang, I'm trying to think of the, uh, the Makai Pfeiffer, no, excuse me, Omar Epps in a Pac movie. I can't, Juice. Mm-hmm. Man, I used to love oh, Juice. Oh, that spot. Yeah, that part right there. Uh, the DJ is like yeah. Queen Latifah, like host yeah. the uh, thing. The battle. The scratching. Mm-hmm. Like, I love that part of that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It reminds me of 5e. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I missed that. That's kind of. Yeah. yeah, it was that. <laughs> so, and then the. Another thing, because I know we've been talking and talking and talking, but this has been really. When we bring you and your dad back, then we're going to get more nuanced into like. We're going to do stuff. a duel with them together? Yeah, That'd yeah, be yeah. Dope. You know, we get more stories. But um, I'm going to get ready to let you go. But I wanted folks to know like about your newer projects that you have so that, um, you know, folks can go and like start downloading that well people don't even download anymore right people are just streaming they stream yeah you're right there's mm-hmm. a lot of streaming going on so people can go and stream you know what i'm saying some of your newer stuff mm-hmm. so what's some of the newer stuff that folks can go stream like i said earlier the the one thing that uh, i'm featured on with uh, apollo brown and uh and, uh, and joel ortiz is called mm-hmm. uh, grace of god um then there's another joint i got i, I scratched on for uh uh apollo brown and uh uh, locksmith mm-hmm. it's called no uh back in my element that's, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. the name of that one mm-hmm. um uh a r e s mm-hmm. is uh the group that I produced for and their last project was called i formation this mm-hmm. n- this new one hasn't been released yet it's called eye contact mm-hmm. every every album's gonna be like an eye. i in, mm-hmm. involved it's so you know what I'm saying? It's sort of like mm-hmm. like EPMD had the, mm-hmm. the word business and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, same same concept. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So um, those are the things I can think of at the moment. Most current current stuff. Yeah. But like Lowe's, you'll you'll be talking to Lowe's, and then he'll be like, "Yeah, I'm about to go out here and work with this person and that person." Yeah, I, so I you forget. Always work. He's always he's one of these people that's always like working on music. Yeah. And with certain people that are just like super famous and is like. Oh well, okay. I'll be back. Oh, oh, Kid Vicious. I can't forget. Oh, I just shout out to Kid Vicious. I, I produced for Kid Vicious. That's Royce the Five Nines' uh, younger brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so I produced a song called Snapbacks and Backpacks. Mm-hmm. And title. yeah, and and it's got my boy Alias P Knuckle on the on the hook. Mm-hmm. And then I'm scratching on the song, but I made the track and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, shout out to Kid Vicious. Um, yeah. He's doing pretty well. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, yep. 
you yep. know, like in, on the scene. Like yep. he's doing his thing, so that's what's up. He, he, he got to live up to his, you know, his brother is Royce. Come I on know. now. So he can't, he oh can't be no goodness. slouch. Can't be no slouch. He could be. He'll, yeah, he could. That's usually how it rolls. They, they, got, a, they got a younger brother <laughs> named Al Khufu. Al uh-huh. Khufu, they, they're all working on a uh, project oh. together. It's all brothers. It's going to be called the uh, Montgomery Boys Project. Wow. And that's their last name. So it's going to be all three of them. Mm-hmm. And they Royce is making beats and producing and all kind of stuff. It's gonna be dope. And he was on Royce's newest project that came out this year. Who was uh, uh, Vicious? Mm-hmm. I didn't hear Vicious. No, Vicious isn't on the project, but it, there are stories about Vicious. Oh, it was stories about Vicious. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. He, he's Vicious. not. He's not on it. But yeah, he, he but he, it, but, but he usually raps on on Royce's yeah. stuff. You know what I'm saying? And Royce got real vulnerable about him. Yeah, I was like, yeah. damn. <laughs> Tell all your business. <laughs> That's what Vish told me. He's like, he's like, man, you he know, all his business he, on that record. He, he didn't ask me could he do that. Oh, whoa! <laughs> he was just joking though. Oh, he was okay, joking. Okay, he was right. joking. He was joking. Yeah. And so, um, okay, so thank you for coming. Thank you for mm. sharing. Thank you for all this beautiful history. Like, what did you think, Brittany? I loved it. It's like thank I, you. We uh, we got a timeline of hip hop through your perspective. That's. That's amazing. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank Love you. it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So where can people go and, you know, just become a DJ Lowe's fan? Like, what are all the channels? Well, uh, Instagram, I'm uh, DJ Lowe's the original because, you know, there's a lot of people. They got they, they, they It's vote. one on the West Coast, right? It's a few of them, yeah. but I own the copyright and okay. the trademarks hey. in my name. So, so thank you, Dad. <laughs> yeah, so we just mm-hmm. renewed it and all of that. So, mm-hmm. you know, shout out to the other loses, but I'm the original los. Okay. So, so just so y'all know, but do you, um, do you still DJ spots some nights? Like, do you do you do stuff like that? Like one night, somebody be like, "Man, you should DJ at this party." Da-da-da-da. Oh yeah, I do that sometimes. A, a lot of my uh. Uh, DJing his performances though, like okay. in major venues, you know, stuff like that, and a lot of smaller ones too. But but performances with rap, That's along me. with rappers, like mm-hmm. I DJ for Royce, Royce the Five Nine, and um, Boss and Awesome Dre and Detroit's Most Wanted and Merciless Amir and oh man, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> just didn't know if one. I'm night, like, me bo- and the girls could be like, oh yeah, DJ loves he gonna be scratching that so-and-so spot tonight. Yeah. I wish it was still like that. It ain't like that. Yeah, much. I don't have no, a... Not no weekly... Not, not a residency. He call that a residency okay. where, you, where you go every... You know, or they, even just a pop-up or Yeah. Like usually, like usually it'll be just a performance with, with another rapper or a group or something like that. And um, Also opening for bigger acts. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yep. like, like when acts come to town. Because mm-hmm. I see you at Shane Park. Oh yeah, yeah, when, yeah. When when big acts like Jeezy and all them come to town, and Lois be like, "Yeah, pipe, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm about to do it." Yeah. So, and sometimes they'll ask me on the spot, like uh, AMG, AMG. He, he was like, "Man, I need you to DJ for me, man. You cold, man? Can you DJ tonight for me?" I'm like, "Yeah, come on." Uh, Ti, you know what I'm saying? I I kind of passed that one up though. I have, so you still got to listen to a lot of new stuff too. You still listen to a lot of new stuff. I have to everything. I, I have to like you know I'm not a big fan of everything that's new, but I have to listen. And I have to be prepared, you know, if I um, I'm encounter with that type of uh, environment or that 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 uh that group of people last that want that want to hear that. Last DJ stand question: mm-hmm. Does it is it irritating when people ask you to play certain songs? Always. <laughs> no DJ I've that. likes that. I've heard that. That's Except the wedding if, even, DJ. Even if they like give you like a, like how to be sliding like twenty dollars, hundred dollars, no. it's still no. annoying. No, yeah, like, let me like let me do me. I got this. Let me, like you said, hold it down. Let me hold mm-hmm. this down. Because it's a creative process. It's like you, like if you were drawing a picture, you wouldn't want nobody to stand over you and say, "Oh, don't 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 put that much shade in there." 
put put this much shade in there or do mm-hmm. do this or draw that line like this. You'd be like, will you get out of here and mm-hmm. let me do what I'm doing? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's that that type of thing. But you know, I try to put my ego to the side sometime when when people do it because I'm not up there for myself. You know what I'm saying? I'm there for the people. Mm-hmm. So, but if I'm in a zone and I'm like playing all this stuff that I know is the that people, goes together. People have to be considerate of a DJ's process. That's why I yeah. ask. people be think are so the consumer is selfish sometimes. Like I want to hear this, how I want to hear it, when and I, I want to hear and it. And I want to hear it now. And I'm but like the DJ creates and, a vibe. Agreed. And, and, so you don't want to have like you're on on a certain vibe and then Someone else comes up, they be on a whole nother vibe. That's and, what it and is. And then take the whole situation someplace else. Right. And then the whole, the rest of the people that have been, that the DJ has like brought together, yeah, not disperse. A, yeah. Right. Yeah. You're going to, de- you're going to destroy my unity I just created. You know? Right. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, hum, that's a, that's a bummer when that happens. You know, people, they don't, they don't think about that. You know, like it, it doesn't bother me when it's, Everybody that that's of like thinking in a place, like mm-hmm. if I'm doing an underground hip hop spot, yeah, that's different. Everybody is like, "Hey man, you play Guilty? Do you mm-hmm. got this song by Guilty? You know right. what I'm saying? Like, like yeah, yeah, I might have that. You know yeah, what I'm saying? That's different. That's different. But if you if I'm playing Guilty Simpson and Jay Dilla and all of that, and then somebody says, "Hey, can you play that new Little Wayne song? Like what? And I'll be like, you know, no diss to Little Wayne, but that ain't this vibe right now. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I can't. That's not gonna mix well with what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, I like Lil Wayne too. I like some of his stuff. You know, not everything, but what the song you telling me to play, it don't go with nothing I'm playing right now. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because, like, uh, when I remember because I went to Howard and we used to have Howard Homecoming. Well, we still have Howard Homecoming. But I remember uh, one Howard Homecoming, we had uh, DJ Biz Marquis. No, Biz. And uh, the we had the party at the some hotel, and it was. Fancy and everybody was excited, and mm-hmm. you know he couldn't get people off the dance floor. And he put on—I remember like security came, and then it started to get a little whatever. Mm-hmm. He put on this country music song, mm-hmm. and it cleared up yeah. the entire space within seconds. Yeah, security was like, "Thanks, man." He was like, "I got you." He told security, "Like, leave him alone. I got you." Threw that record on. When I'm telling yeah. you that. Within seconds, like you yeah. know how like people had those last conversations on yeah. the dance floor, right? Within seconds, it was like scattered, like boom, like there was no one, like everyone was in coat check. <laughs> yeah, right, because they, they the vibe ain't there. They like, eh, yeah, this we can't do we nothing with this. Out of here. The art of the DJ. For yep. sure. So yeah, so that was dope. Okay, so so DJ Los the original is on Instagram, and yep. then and then uh, isn't it that on Facebook too? Facebook, I got two pages on Facebook. I got uh, my fan page is uh, DJ Los the original, but uh, my personal page is D period J period L O S. Yep, yeah. that's true. And then yeah. um, you on Twitter? Twitter, DJ Lowe's 313. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, you guys got to check out DJ Lowe's, check out his music, support him. He supports you. Right. And, um, yeah, so we're going to bring you back, you know what I'm saying, with your dad. I really appreciate that you came and, like, spent this much time. This was, like, yeah. super awesome. For sure. um, this is what This is what I'm doing now, the podcast. I do yeah. this every week. Yeah. I, I listened to the last one. I listened to, uh, not, it might not have been the last one, but I listened to Head. Yeah, and yeah. head man, uh, you know, I was like, man, how can I compare to head? He's no. got all this, he's got all that history with Eminem Shoot. and everybody and Slum. So do you? Yeah, yeah. you got history. This was perfect mm-hmm. separation, perfect on Thank the lane. Yeah. Awesome. 
Thank I really you. enjoyed this. Yeah, this is going to be great. So, you know, I'm going to bring you back and we got to figure out how to um, upgrade the, uh, the, the, what is it, the production. Mm-hmm. Me and Brittany are always having meetings about our production. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably going to hit you up like, what yeah. should we do, Lowe's? Like, how do we do this and that? Because we do want to have more um, live music and stuff in here. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to, you know, go go live and like do more stuff like on the spot. But we just got to like get our uh, our production, yeah. like, you know, you thinking about going visual too? Mm, not yet. Okay. You we're, know. we're building. We Yeah. It's just not okay. interesting. I mean, to me, it's not interesting visually to sit there I, and watch somebody I keep talking telling, on the microphone. I keep telling her that <laughs> Piper is like the the chick off Brown Sugar, like that's like super hot, like but just does not even think like that. Like, <laughs> like does she not understand? Like, not to say that she should sell herself, but like Piper, one or two times, if you don't get these views, <laughs> right? Brittany be like, we need to do video. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like, I guess, like for me personally. I'm a podcast type person. Like I like to listen to podcasts, but right. I'm also like a music type person. So I like to right. listen to music. I, you know, for me and as a photographer and person to do video, I'm like, what am I looking at? I'm looking at you talk on a microphone. Like that is just not interesting I to get, me. I get you. You know what I'm saying? I, I, like, get it. like video to me should be like some dancing and some. You know I'm, what I'm, I'm saying? With you. No, no. Something but, exciting. But I'm, I got I'm you. from the old school. You know what I'm saying? I'm from the old school. Like the scene. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Where we had the scene and it was like. Please don't. You know, people dancing and stuff like that's interesting to me. Please mm-hmm. don't tell me you never wonder. Like I always used to wonder how uh, Mason looked. <laughs> I always wonder how Coco looked. I you was know, like, I never man, did. Like, I, I really, did. I did too. Like, I wonder, like, how do they look? Even like Mojo, I, I used to wonder, like, wow, what what does the electrifying Mojo look like? And then when I met him, I was like, that's, that's you? Mojo. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. So like, one, I'm not saying like all the time video, but I think mm-hmm. she would find it interesting. But I like the mystery, right? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I agree. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. like the mystery too. I, I like it too. I unless like it's it unless we do. Like, and I'm, believe me, I'm, I'm talking about you being. You know, I'm not a picture video person. No, if well, I gotta be on video, you <laughs> both of y'all video. are beautiful. So then, yeah. so then, you know, the other interesting thing that I or something that we started talking about is I was suggesting to Brittany that as opposed to like pictures like of us or a video of like of us talking, mm-hmm. but what if we like had like visuals of like you performing mm-hmm. or like scratching or like music videos so that there was like a visual element of like our guests. Yeah, or like things that you we're can have something act, I like that actions action based. Yeah, I get I get what you so say. Like you know, as we're talking, like those visuals are kind of going as opposed to like just people looking you at can, us talking. You can have somebody spinning music, mood music in the background or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, I like and, that. Yeah, yeah. It's so nice. real, real low in the background where mm-hmm. you know they they have that. I've seen other people do that too, but. You can have a camera set up where it can show the actual people doing it and all mm-hmm. of that. It, it, it's ways of being. So yeah, we're we're, we're gonna incorporate some more some more you know production elements. We just gotta we be so busy like we just at this point get to do like a weekly phone call mm-hmm. and check in and then a week before and so we don't really get to do the amount of like work that it takes to like be able to have production mm-hmm. tight. You know what I'm saying? So right. that like we could have stuff planned out. But we're gonna get there. Yeah. That's what we're going to get. Yeah. We're gonna there get you go. There. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, so thanks for coming. No DJ Los in the building, the original DJ Los. We got Brittany, our token millennial. Oh, any last words, Los? No, I just uh, to everybody that uh, that loves hip-hop, you know, keep it dear to you. And if you got passion with it, 
you know, follow that passion and that's what it is. Remember the elements. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's it. What about you, Brittany? Last words? Yeah, I love uh I love your presence because you mentioned love and through all all the stories that both of you guys told, I saw love. So shouts out to you. Thank you. Yep. I guess for me, I was gonna you know, usually we were doing these like political kind of, you know, intros and stuff, but your story was so interesting. I did not want to waste time. Thank so uh, maybe next week we'll do where we'll talk, we'll talk about all the political stuff going on. How does that sound? It sounds good. It sounds good. Yeah. So I guess for now, um, it's so much going on in the world. Like, please take the time to like check out DJ Los music because... Um, this guy got some bangers. <laughs> I'm alright. <laughs> uh, I'm alright. He got some bangers. You know what I'm saying? And um, like for me, um, in the landscape of music, it's really important to have really great new music. You know what I'm saying? Like that 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 inspires you and like motivates you and all that. So you know what I'm saying? Like thank you for that. Um, and then also too, you know, just keep listening and letting us know what you like. And we appreciate all our listeners, you know, from all over the world that love Detroit and love Detroit hip hop. And um, yeah, so Piper Carter podcast on Detroit is different. Y'all have a great week. Peace. 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 Remember to like, share, subscribe, and always listen on Stitcher, Google Play, Apple Store, and Spotify. You're listening to the Detroit is different podcast network. I'm nobody's filter. Going and running reruns of different strokes for different folks. Why? Cause some do it for the income. Don't do this for the money. Cause trust me, I would have been done. I'm going to do this till I'm bloody and muddy. Call it my long run. Call it my ransom. Call it your anthem. Swoosh. Go in and make that and one. Just do it. Go ahead and pursue it. Chase it like it was true. Cause it actually is. It's too many doofus with too many excuses. That's the widest music seems to be just making us useless. We all gagging and lollying. Too busy polying. Politricking forbidden when infants are left lying in Urine and feces Question where that peace be Peace be too quiet, too chill Peace be too calm and too still Cause everybody nowadays got a license to ill And everybody nowadays got a license to kill Kill, 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 kill Murder, murder, blood spill Spill, spill, so they service Cold plates or cold cases And we've been waiting Putting out water for justice We wonder what the taste is Heard she was blind Never thought she was faces Never thought she was racist how come the ones who's supposed to keep us the safest, they chase us? They used to use some hoses, but nowadays they just haze us. Nothing seems to face us. Reality's not reality till it's on the stage, cuz, cuz. We all exhibitionists. Everybody's courageous. Everybody's the bravest. Until it's time for action, we all crying out, save us. Crying out to God and calling all kinds of favors. Do we actually believe, based on our behavior, the end times upon us? We all gonna need a savior. Listen. I'ma do it till his kingdom come. Do it till the work's done. Do it till it's not fun. That day I'll never come. Do it till I see it through. Do it till I'm see-through. Phantom of my own opera. No musical make visible the invisible God's point of view. With it without residuals. This is my cue. Do it until I see it. Do it till I believe it. Do it until I be it. And I actually are. I'ma do it. Do it. Do it. Do it.